Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. First and foremost, I want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to this podcast. It means a lot to me that you would take the time to listen to this podcast. It means that you've, uh, you're a huge fan of the sport, you're highly dedicated to it, and you just love all the coverage of the sport. That actually got me thinking one time where uh, it, it would not be surprised to me that uh, the majority of people would actually, uh, throughout the course of a year, take in more media and more time spent um, being entertained by the coverage of the sport than of the sport itself. Um, 17 Supercrosses. Uh, now 11 outdoors and uh, and, th- and three final rounds. You got 31 events. Um, so I guess that uh, rounds itself out to about four hours per event. Uh, four times 31, you're looking at maybe maybe 100 and, 125 hours roughly of, uh, of entertainment, uh, of actual racing on the tracks. Uh, but when it comes to the podcast side of things and articles and Instagram reels and everything else, uh, that is probably exceeded within the first few weeks of the series. So, um, it's actually kind of crazy to think about, uh, that people probably get more, uh, more utility and more enjoyment out of the actual coverage of the sport than the sport itself. Um, but that's a, uh, shower thought for another podcast. But anyway, I want to give a huge shout out to, uh, WSA, John Anderson, Kristen Anderson. Uh, they're a huge supporter of Big MX Radio and they not only build some of the nicest wheels that you can possibly put on your motocross bike, but they also take your stock hubs and build you up something special. And if you have a vintage bike, you can also take your uh, vintage bike to them, uh, get yourself sorted out, and they'll be able to help you out. Uh, and also, if you mention Big MX Radio in that process, you're going to save some money. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, also want to give a huge shout out to Guts Racing, Andy Gregg uh, over at Guts Racing. Fantastic guy, fantastic organization that they have over there. I think they do a fantastic job um, just like with their products, their customer service, you name it. And same goes for uh, Phoenix Handlebars. Um, you probably don't know that brand too well. They are rather new and it's a very small company. Um, but they also provide some of the best customer service you'll ever find within the power sports industry. Uh, and that is because when you order something from Phoenix Handlebars, it literally goes directly to Jason Gerald, who is the owner, uh, estimator, designer, uh, marketing team and everything over at Phoenix Handlebars. He hires very, very little of it out, which means that your order goes straight to his house in California. And then he goes out to his garage, fills your order with care, literally wraps the bars in tissue paper, uh, throws in some extra knickknacks and, and what have you. And uh, like it, every single order is literally handled with care by Jason. Um, and Handlebars is something that uh, when you find a bend that you like, um, in, in all honesty, the manufacturer doesn't really, um, have a huge difference to it. Um, as far as like a, a pro taper or a Renthal or a Phoenix handlebar, uh, or a Mika metals or something along those lines. Um, it's up, it's about being comfortable on your motorcycle and enjoying the ride. And, uh, when, when you work with a company like Phoenix handlebars, not only are you going to save some money on the product itself, not only is it going to outperform, uh, your own expectations. I think it's you, anyone who's listening to this right now would be extremely surprised and pleasantly, um, 
presently surprised, present, pleasantly surprised with the performance of the bars, um, and uh, and that you're going to save some money, and you can use that money towards going riding more often and uh, enjoying yourself on two wheels, getting that throttle therapy like we talk about so much. So I would seriously uh, in- encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast to give Phoenix Handlebars at least a follow on Instagram, uh, and maybe let them know Big MX Radio sent you. Um, also, want to give a huge, huge shout out to uh, Fox Racing Canada. Uh, JC Sites over at Fox Racing Canada, huge supporter and honestly a mentor to me. Uh, I, don't, I know he, he sort of like shrugs that off quite often, or maybe he's a bit bashful about it. But honestly, I don't. I'm a firm believer in you don't actually have to uh, be a hands-on. Uh, helping somebody along to be a mentor for them. Uh, someone can, you can mentor someone by just leading by example, and and being a, a really um, like an aspiring person. And that's who JC is for me. And uh, obviously, I've been a Fox guy since the very beginning. Uh, it was the first motocross videos I ever watched, the Terra Firmus videos, uh, the first athletes that I looked up to: James Stewart, Ricky Carmichael, even uh, Jeremy McGrath through his uh, late Honda years. And even his first year, his year on Suzuki and his first year on Yamaha, um, all that stuff just added up to me being a huge Fox Racing fan. Um, pretty much name anybody who's been of note in the sport of motocross, um, at least in the in like throughout like the 90s and the 2000s, almost all of them at some point wore Fox. Uh, I know nowadays you have a few different manufacturers that have sort of stuck their nose in there. Uh, and uh, and then sort of upset that apple cart. But there's a lot of people uh, who have had uh, have, have loved Fox, worn Fox, and I think if you gave the field uh, truth serum and uh, and had maybe hypnotized them or something like that and send them over to uh, a rack of gear to put on, what would you rather put on? I'm thinking most people go straight for the Fox stuff. Uh, it always looks good. Um, you can, we could argue until our faces are blue about, uh, about certain designs, but that's the beauty of design. It's art. It's whatever catches you. There's some people like right now, uh, there's Twitter is on fire with the fact that, uh, Jet Lawrence has a white and pink bike for Anaheim one press day. And I think, uh, Chase Sexton's is white with sort of like a teal blue cyan blue sort of combination and honestly I'm not a fan of either one but they're probably some 12 and 13 year olds right now who are absolutely going ape shit um, trying to get themselves a set of uh, graphics from SKADA graphics uh, needing that colorway on their bike and, and you know what that's awesome because there's different generations that love the sport uh, anyone from a, a 10 year old kid who thinks that uh, Jet Lawrence is the, the best thing since sliced bread or you got people like my dad who still uh, read Jody's box at uh, motocross action on a monthly basis even if it's not a new article and that's that's been known to happen where Jody just sort of trots out an old article and uh, for, for the people who've been listening for or reading for so long they don't even flinch they just read it anyway it's awesome but um would appreciate if you guys give a uh, a like follow on uh youtube we're we're doing these videos on youtube as well as well as we're uh on on itunes and spotify you can leave a review uh we're doing a thing right now where uh, i think it's, we're gonna fin- we're gonna close it at the end of february uh but get on it soon because uh basically what we're gonna do is anyone who has rated big mx radio on itunes or spotify we throw all those names in a hat and uh, pull it out, and somebody's going to win a $100 gift certificate from SKDA Graphics. So that would be solid. I think that would be a fantastic thing 
for you guys to do and hopefully you'll be able to support us and give us a five-star review of course if we haven't earned it don't don't worry about it that's that's uh like give us the a proper review and that's how we get better at what we do <laughs> and uh yeah so you guys have a great rest of your day uh hopefully you enjoyed this sorry to take about seven minutes to sort of roll into this podcast but this is a really fun one that myself, Chris Riesenberg, and Denny Stevenson did. Uh, really actually surprised these guys uh, are like, uh, these two, these are two guys that I really look up to within the space. Uh, two really professional guys who uh, who know their stuff and uh, the fact that they would team up with someone like myself who um, sometimes uh, I, I admit I'm a little bit too humble about certain, certain things sometimes, but to me, I'm still uh, just a kid from Canada who uh, could only dream to have gotten to where I'm at. Um, closing in on 900 podcasts. Uh, I've been a, a media member, an accredited member of the media by myself uh, for six years now. Uh, the first time I uh, applied for a media credential actually was in 2016, was a, a outdoor national. Uh, so I guess you're coming up on uh, seven years. This will be the seventh calendar year that I have a media credential in. Uh, first year I did it with uh, Supercross was 2017. Uh, Sean Brennan over at uh, at, at uh, Supercross was uh, kind enough to uh, give me a shot, and they haven't denied me since. So, uh, and that's a huge feather in my cap is that uh, Big MX Radio is a passion project that I am essentially a one man show for, and uh, I, I do it because I love it. I do it because I want to bring uh, you, the listener, closer to the sport. Uh, carve out those stories that you might not have heard before and uh, yeah there's I don't think there's anyone else in the world actually who can say that them as a single person entity uh, have been able to secure a press credential for as long as I have um, or at all Um, everyone else either works for a major publication or yeah, that's basically it. There's, you have to work for a, a Racer X, uh, um, Swap Moto Live, um, Motocross Action, Dirt Rider, uh, you name it, um, Cycle News. So anyway, um, hopefully you guys have yourselves a great rest of your day. I know I've said that like nine minutes ago, but regardless, a uh, little bit of a preamble here. Really enjoy you guys. I appreciate all the feedback. I appreciate people going back and forth with me on Twitter, uh, at Brad GMX95 because I've had the same Twitter since 2009, uh, back when I originally just got it so I could slide into Ashley Filex DMs. Um, quick story there. Wow. Um, Want to give a shout out to Sean, Sean Wedge if he's if he's on the treadmill right now. Uh, sorry for the long one, man. I think you're gonna have to do uh, have to do two workouts with the same podcast. Um, and then also, um, shout out to James Dahlman, a friend of mine who, uh, should have came back at Christmas, but he didn't, but he's probably listening to this right now with really sore legs from skiing or snowboarding at kicking horse in BC. And, uh, he's having himself a blast out there. And every time he posts on his story about how epic the conditions are, I just want to drop everything, get behind the wheel and drive about 14 hours west to go uh go skiing or snowboarding with them and i think i might just have to do that in in the, in the next uh, next little while here but anyway now i'm rambling and you guys are awesome appreciate you guys listening enjoy the show welcome to the big mx radio podcast this episode brought to you by racetech and moto x dream 360 i'm your host brad gebhardt with me on the line for the third time in as many weeks is none other than Denny Stevenson 
and Chris Riesenberg. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for uh, not only making time for us, but also supporting us with Race Tech. Absolutely. Um, I just can't quit talking about Anaheim once. We might as well record it and get people fired up. And I think we have a really cool thing going here with the with the group that we have here in the in the trio. So hopefully we can provide some entertainment and prove Denny wrong a few more times. Absolutely. We've been ganging up on him a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but uh, he's a bit of a glutton for punishment, uh, taking us up on the offer one more time to come on the show. Uh, like I said off the rip uh, last show, the 1990 East Coast 125 Supercross champion, no slouch whatsoever uh, behind the controls of a dirt bike, Denny Stevenson. What's going on, Debo? Uh, just glad to be uh, busting out a little bit more preview show for this Anaheim 1 2023 Supercross season. <clears throat> yeah, we've done a 450. We've done a 250, and now let's just take a chance to uh, just kind of wrap everything up and see where, uh, what we're looking for this weekend. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think, as everyone is, there's nothing like an opening round of, uh, of a new season, a new year, and we're going to kick it off with Anaheim. Hopefully it's not a mutter. Weather looks to be good. Uh, the, the weather for tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, all looks good. There is a lot of standing water at the stadium. Uh, but aside from that, I think that we're going to have uh, some soft transitions, some soft bottoms of corners, but everything else is going to be standard Supercross. We're not going to have to worry about that. But yeah, like I said, I do appreciate you coming on. And honestly, th- I'm so excited about this because I've been wanting to do a show like this um, but it's always been sort of my idea and bringing it to some people who um, might not be nearly as excited about doing it as I did. And and honestly, like this, the reason why we're on the show right now is that Chris sort of had this idea, like sort of because we had such good chemistry the first couple of times we're on the show. Why don't we keep this momentum going? And uh, his brainchild sort of like developed into this awesome email that I got first thing this morning. And uh, Chris, why don't you uh, kind of give the listeners and the viewers uh, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain as far as uh, what is what it is we look to achieve today? Well, I mean, Denny and I have been arguing about dirt bike races via text thread for a long time and we have a really good knack of just going straight at each other and pulling facts out or opinions out to disagree with each other and I mean we both admittedly said I will go pull numbers and modify them to prove a point just because of the sake of an argument even if I've already been convinced that I'm wrong because I'm never going to be wrong and with that dynamic then we started traveling a little bit to some races and we're like we need to just record this thing into a podcast and uh, I told him I didn't want to do it until we could do it professionally and do it right because I don't do anything halfway. And so when the preview shows came up, it was it was a cool opportunity for us to get together and really test that dynamic. And um, it turns out that the three of us, I think, are a really, really good dynamic together. So I think we can do a really good job to pre- present a different side of the sport previewing. There's not There's a lot of review content, but there's not a ton of preview content. And so it's a chance for us to look forward at each and every race. And I mean, most of the time we'll have the previous race to talk about a little bit, but really I want to focus on the storylines moving forward. Um, This one, obviously we'll talk about the off season headlines and set up our draft to preview the 2023 Supercross season, as well as Anaheim one. Well, we got some stuff to take care of. Absolutely. Uh, And like right off the hop, let's start things off with segment number one, first turn takeaways. Uh, Let's introduce the race itself Anaheim won 2023. They've been going to Anaheim for the first round of Supercross for a lot of years. It's been at least 20 years where Anaheim, this particular stadium, has housed 
the first round ever since I think the last time there was anywhere else was back in I think 1997 if I'm not mistaken Debo uh 96 i know for sure we opened up at a, down in orlando florida with the great western bank team i was on that's right uh, coliseum was 97 i think that's so 97 right might have been back in orlando um and then but back in 86 i was at the anaheim opener uh for then with the rj bailey battle so i think anaheim's been a predominant uh starter kicker off of the ser- series and uh they think they visit florida a couple times decide that was a bad idea let's get it back to california and make shit happen Absolutely. Anaheim, California. It just feels right to roll, to start off the, the series there. We always get some absolutely wild results. In fact, uh, I can think off the top of my head, three different guys who have their one and only Supercross win being uh, Anaheim one. That's Sebastian Tortelli, Greg Albertine, and also Josh Grant back in 2009. Um expect the unexpected when it comes to Anaheim one. And uh, yeah, like we, and we had a very interesting off season. We had Roxon switching to Suzuki. We have Christian Craig, who has been basically a career 250 guy coming back from multiple injuries, a ton of little mishaps throughout his career on a 250. Although he has spent some time on a 450, both indoors and out is now switched over to an Austrian branded motorcycle for the first time during his professional career. You have Colt Nichols, who, for all intents and purposes, has been uh, one of the most like eye-catching and easy-to-look-at riders on and off the track. The guy's an absolute man-rocket. Like, just don't even start with me. And and then you have uh, Joey Savacci, who's just waiting in the weeds for, like, he's going to pounce on somebody. I guarantee you. Like, there are no guarantees, but this I can guarantee, that when the checkered flag flies at Anaheim 1, there's going to be some factory dudes behind the number 17 machine. And uh, and he's going to be grinning ear to ear no matter where he's at because he's on a privateer Kawasaki built to perfection by Mitch Payton himself. Boys, this is going to be a race and a half. Absolutely. I mean, we have Ken Roxon definitely stole the offseason. And, I mean, I look for him to kickstart off his season with probably his best race at Anaheim 1. He always starts the season strong, so I would expect to see that. I'm really probably the biggest question mark for me, I think is Colt Nichols. I don't, I don't know what to expect from him. Um, He could go out and and be a sixth place guy. And I think that would be a really, really successful uh, venture for him. And it wouldn't surprise me. He could definitely be outside the top 10 and it wouldn't surprise me. He hasn't raced in a long time. He did have a very good year at star racing Yamaha and he has a ton of talent, but he honestly hasn't raced enough to have a ton of data on him and especially on a 450 um although like i said i did see him ride a 450 at loretta's really well but i mean that was ages ago on a cowie like there's not a lot there but that's probably the one that's most intriguing to me is to see where colt colt nichols shakes out and for me it'd be christian craig you know uh, checkers i've been arguing about christian craig for a number of years now um i have him to top my top five list i think he's gonna run really well but he's also on a new bike as well going to the husky leaving the yamaha uh, in the past, he's ridden, ridden uh, a 450 Honda. He's raced the aluminum frame bikes. Now he's back on a steel frame Husky. I've heard a little bit of rumblings that maybe he isn't quite as comfortable on that bike as he was the Yamaha or the Honda in the past. The biggest thing about Craig, like Malcolm, was his whoop speed. The guy was probably the fastest through the whoops last year on a 250. Uh, the 450 is much different. It's a little heavier bike, more power. Put him on a different frame bike like the Husky. We know that Malcolm didn't quite perform as well through the whoops as he had in the past, even though he was faster than everyone else. 
everywhere else. It'll be interesting to see what Christian Craig brings to the table on that new uh, Austrian Husky. So we'll see with that Rockstar bike. If it can get through the whoops as fast as Craig wants to go, I see Craig in the top five, but he's a question mark as well. Yeah, we're just about halfway through our first turn takeaways brought to you by Race Tech. Uh, checkers, last thing we sort of have to get to is Joey Savacci. He's had multiple stints over at Factory Kawasaki. He's shown speed. Uh, he's been adaptive. He's he's kind of rolled with the punches. He's made himself available to race uh, World Supercross. You name it. He's been flexible. Uh, he's on a KTM at the beginning of last year. Messes his knee up. Comes back on the Kawasaki. Has a great summer. Um, and honestly, I, I really like uh, the the low pressure atmosphere for uh, Joey Savacci. I think the only thing that I can think of that I might have him a little bit behind the eight ball is the fact that he's uh, racing out of Florida, which means when the gate drops uh, for the first heat race of his first heat race, because the two fifties go first, we sometime around 8 PM uh, Pacific time, which is damn near 11 o'clock uh, where he's, he's going to be coming from. So uh, he might be a little bit jet lagged, but aside from that, I think people have to be worried about Joey Savacci. Well, I don't think it's the jet lag's an issue. He's done this. He's been there, done that. He's been a West Coast guy um, in the 250 class before. He's done great on a 450. He's experienced and been part of really good programs. The real question mark is, is what is this program? Do I think he's got his motorcycle where he wants it? I do. I think he knows what he wants. He knows the Kawasaki. He's been on a great Kawasaki before with the factory bike. So he knows what a good bike should feel like. But the question is, is what does he have for a support staff? What's he pitting out of? You know, does he have a good mechanic? Does he have parts there if he breaks something? Does he have an experienced mechanic that is going to make sure the bike's prepared the way it needs to be between practice sessions and races and that sort of things? If that part of his program is solid enough to where and it can be low-key, low-pressure and relaxed, which actually can be a benefit, then I expect to see him doing very well. I 100% agree that he will be better than a lot of factory guys, and I will actually put him in front of the other guy that moved into the 450 class, Christian Craig, on Saturday night. Maybe not at Anaheim, but Saturday nights throughout the year, Joey Savacci will be in front of Christian Craig as often or more often than Craig is in front of him. Hey, that's, that's a, a bold little prediction little right little there, little especially after uh, uh, Craig going to a factory team at 450. Uh, like common sense uh, gives the edge to uh, to Craig based on the equipment. But you know what? Like, I think when they raised 250s, Joey got the better of Craig quite often. So I think it's going to be a good race. And you know who else is going to be, is my prediction for someone who, who just always does well in Anaheim. He's won in Anaheim multiple times. Yes, he's going to be kickstarting his bike. Yes, he's going to be, uh, he doesn't have a lot of time on the bike. He's only been riding it for about two weeks. Uh, but honestly, that's only three weeks longer than Ken Roxon's been riding that bike. And that's Shane McElrath. Uh, the 12 machine has had a very interesting uh, entrance into the 450 class. He has basically been all over the map. He, he entered the 450 class for the very first time with uh, TLD, uh, KTM, and then he, he leaves those guys, goes over to Star Racing Yamaha on a 250, narrowly wins a title, but comes up short. Then he's with MCR. Then he's with... Uh, the Rocky Mountain guys, like he literally last year, he was like, he was a globetrotter as far as teams go. He was on it like, I think he didn't wear the same team jersey twice. He was like an absolute suitcase. Uh, but it's, 
but he but he's on a Suzuki now and uh he's making the best of it. Like before we get on to the next segment, uh what are your guys' thoughts on Shane McElrath and what he could possibly do as a total dark horse just throwing darts at the board for the first round at a at a track with like it's obviously it's a different layout than always, but the guys just gotta have good vibes rolling into that stadium. Um I don't know. I see Shane McElrath. I, I spent kind of a lot more out of him that first year he jumped on a 450. He obviously had some back issues and ended up pulling out a series, uh, I think, after maybe Daytona or possibly Atlanta. Um, I, I don't know. I, I see Shane, you know, not much time on the bike. I see him probably qualifying out of the semi in about third or fourth. And I see him probably running about 13th to 15th in the main event, which is a good way to start the season. You know, it's not terrible. There's a class of stacked. There's 15 at least factory riders. Uh, Shane can get through the weekend healthy, have no accidents, no crashes, no incidents in practice, get through, the, learn some stuff, get a good start, and maybe the heat race. See what's kind of the pace that these other guys are running and qualify through the semi. Avoid that last chance qualifier, which we know everything can and anything can happen, and uh, put in a good 20 minutes plus one lap in that main event and, and run top 15. I think that would be a successful night for Shane. I think that's fair enough. And I, I'm excited to see it. This is going to be a great race and uh, we're happy to look forward to it. Rolling on with segment number two, we have the Moto X Dream 360 dash for cash. Of course, Denny Stevenson, well known for uh, taking uh, home a lot of loot at those uh, arena cross races over the many years. And this is a bit of a, a matchup. We're going to be kind of like going over some discussion topics and sort of giving our, our points on uh, on certain things. First and foremost, like, possible, like kind of an example of this would be like, who is going to finish best in 2023 Supercross points? Uh, and then you sort of make the case, but whether it's going to be Malcolm Stewart or if it's going to be uh, Justin Barsha, uh, we're going to kind of, we're going to have to do some coordinating. And uh, obviously it's the, this being episode one, uh, there might be a couple fumbles on the play, but we'll try and uh, act like we we know what we're doing uh and we're gonna start things off with uh with with Debo or right off the right off the crack here uh which of these riders will win their first super 450 supercross race Malcolm Stewart Aaron Plessinger Christian Craig or Adam Cien Cerullo well I think that's a question I actually offered early this year on Twitter and um I have to agree with the masses. I believe Malcolm Stewart was the closest. Um, he has some outstanding rides in 2022, put himself on the podium there. I think the last two or three times to wrap up the season, he's on the cusp of greatness. He's been working really hard in the off season. We've heard it from James that his little brother is, uh, is, is looking to get to that next level. And I think that it's pretty, uh, pretty certain that, that he's a fan favorite and uh, everybody's looking for Malcolm to get that first win, first 450 win of his career. And, I think it's going to happen here in 2023. I, I could see it happening possibly in the first month. You know, lay it down quick. He's got his second year on the Husky. Um, I think he's more accustomed to it. He's a big, strong kid. He can muscle that bike to the whoops. Um, I think, yeah, I think we'll see Malcolm with a win uh, within the first four or five rounds, I'm going to guess. Checkers, is Debo uh, like on the level? Is, is he knows what he's talking about? Or are you about to just blow him out of the water? <laughs> Well, I think I convinced him during our 450 preview show. I think, um, so I think too. he was was not nearly as passionate. And for once, I actually I think I got through that thick skull of his that that Malcolm Stewart's the man and he's going to win his first race. I was very, very upfront. That was probably the boldest prediction that I made. But I'm going to take a second and make a small case for each of the other guys in a scenario that maybe they could get it done. Um, Anaheim one is always a super, super weird race. 
We all know Adam Cianciarillo can go very fast and is a great starter. Say he whole shots Anaheim one, checks out early in the race, and just chaos is ensuing behind him like Anaheim one has happened. I could see that happening. Christian Craig is extremely fast and talented and a great starter. Big whoops on a racetrack. Again, same situation as AC as he whole shots, a little bit of chaos behind him, or perhaps a triple crown round where he nails the starts all three times and the whoops are big. I could see Craig finding a way to get it done. And I think the only way Aaron Plessinger gets it done is if it's a speedway track or if the rains, the skies open up and it's a full-on mudder, watch out for the number seven KTM because that dude can rip in the mud and he could potentially pull one off that way. That's how I see those two guys getting one done. So you're 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 still your odds on favorite is uh, is Malcolm, but those are the other, those are the other three ways those those guys are getting it. Honestly, not just to be different, I honestly think that Adam Cincerulo gets his very first win in inside the first three races of this series. Uh, I don't think he's coming in with a ton of momentum, but uh, confidence is a funny thing, and uh, Adam has always been good at the beginning of series. Um, if he's able to get one of those good starts, like you just talked about, lead some laps and maybe even be on the podium, uh, the first round, that's not outside of the realm of possibilities. I could totally see Adam using that to move forward, keep rolling and, uh, and get himself a win inside those first, uh, first few rounds. If he doesn't, I think the, the longer it takes him to get that first win, I think it becomes less likely that he gets it this year. Um, and uh, I would say in close second, as far as my prediction on who's going to get their first win, it's got to be Malcolm Stewart. The guy's been champing at the bit, nipping at the heels of all those guys who currently uh, have a win under their belt. I think this year there's going to be five different guys who get super cross wins in 2000 and uh we had five guys last year. We're going to have five guys this year. We're going to have two guys bumped out and two new guys in. Malcolm Stewart's one of them, and so is AC. Wow. wow. Yeah, both of us. Wow. Well, I, I know from uh, just from the early press conference this year, we uh, when we talked to AC, AC said he still had some issues, some nerve issues with his hand, and a little numbness. If that's still the case, um, he's going to struggle. He's going to have a hard time holding on. It's probably going to go downhill quickly. Uh, hopefully that's an issue that he's rectified and he can uh, be ready for uh, A1. But as you agreed and also said, the longer it takes to get that win, these riders, each and every one of them, as I know as well, we become complacent. We kind of get used to where we're at in the pack and we kind of settle in. But if something can happen early, as you said, with Adam, with any of these riders, a surprise podium, a get out front, as Checker said, that's how Josh Grant got his first win. He got yeah. out front, led thing early. Uh, both Reed and Stewart went down that section of whoops. And next thing you know, Chad uh, or Josh has got a damn near 10 second lead and, uh, and pulls off the victory. So as we've seen many, many times, and as we've all agreed upon a one, we love to look forward to it and say, hey, that's going to set the stage. But end of the day, anything usually happens in a one and we move on to round two and go, okay, this is actually the opening round. So we'll see what happens, but looking for a lot of action. And uh, if you say, see, I don't know, I'm still sticking with James uh, with Malcolm Stewart. I'd go with James too, honestly. If, if if there was a fifth we could add and it was James Stewart as like a brand new career, like you starting from scratch, I would say it's James. Um, side note for anybody who's watching or listening to this, once you're done with this, not at the very same time, but once you're done, go watch 2009 Anaheim one um, because the final laps where uh, just, or yeah, Josh Grant has a, a 
Toyota banner up in his rear wheel. It's on the back brake. His bike is like seat, like like stalling midair. He almost goes over the bars on the last lap. I just ruined it for you. Um, go watch it's it. Incredible. It's 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 I, absolutely I, ridiculous. I remember watching it. I, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I was I was his agent. I was his manager that year. You know, I really. Yeah, yeah, I introduced oh, JG him. is such know. a good dude. Yeah, he's incredible. I've never seen one ride a motorcycle like Josh did, and you know, and kind of helped uh, facilitate facilitate the rat uh, the tip ride with JGR and everything. Oh yeah, I was up in the knot hole watching that race, and once I saw he was gonna, you know, about halfway was win this son of a bitch. I ran blitz oh, down onto the just, floor. I could just see on you the floor, yeah. almost onto the track and like waving him on before they threw me off the track, and uh, was there at the podium when he pulled off with tears in his eyes. Obviously, the last lap with the tough lock and his rear wheel, I'm literally shitting bricks. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And uh, obviously, you know, for me, not uh, racing, but that was probably one of the coolest experiences I'd ever been, been able to share a part of with Josh. And uh, incredible human being and uh, just a fantastic night. So further proof that magic can happen at Anaheim Stadium. Absolutely. No, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. So let's move on to our second topic here. Uh, checkers, you're going to take uh, take the uh, lead this thing off for us. But guys, there are seven championships. Some are deeper than others, like the 250s, for example. Um, but there are seven championships up for grabs in 2023. East-West 250, of course, like we said, East is deeper. Uh, you have the 450 class in Supercross, 250 motocross, 450 motocross, and then you also have the SMX championship in both the 250s and the 450s. How you're going to qualify into that is if you're top 20 in points in either of those series, you're going to be basically fast-tracked into the final three rounds, which is a playoff format. But the beauty of this is, is there are a ton of championships to be won, and there is the potential for the Lawrence brothers to potentially win six of them. They could win six of those championships um they they've they've certainly uh done pretty well in the past and and leading a lot of laps checkers how many of these championships do these kids knock down it is not crazy to say that uh that that they could lit that the lawrence brothers could basically run the table well i mean it is a little crazy to say that but i think we could see a world where that could happen so I'm just going to to count them down with a likelihood of them happening, each of them, and we'll see what number that we land on. Okay. I think Jed is the favorite for his title on 450 West. 250 I would West. say Hunter's the favorite for his title on four or 250, 250 East, sorry, for that. Um, arguably, some of us would put somebody else in front. Um, 250 Motocross, pretty tough. I think that's maybe Hunter's stronger for the 250 Motocross title than he is. For Supercross, so I think that one, I don't see, I can see it, but I don't put Jed as the favorite for 450 Motocross. That's a long, grueling title. Um, it's a long year. To come in and pull that off against, I mean, we just saw what Chase Sexton did last summer against Eli flipping Tomac, having the year of his life. So to not say that Chase is the favorite going into that, so it's pretty nuts. So let's see, we have two Supercross titles and an outdoor title. We're at three. Going to the SMX Cup, it's three races. Anything can happen. Um, I would say 50-50 on Hunter getting the 251 done. Um, part of me thinks that if a Austin Forkner or a Cameron McAdoo or Seth Hamaker or one of those guys on the green bikes have a great Supercross season, or maybe a guy like Nate Thrasher, who's awesome on speedway tracks, I think he could be really, really good on those SMX hybrid tracks. 
So I'm still at, uh, I'll give Hunter that title. So that's four. And I don't think Jet's going to be quite ready yet to jump on the 450. Who it is only three races, though. And only three rounds. Yeah. It's only three rounds. And he did win the motocross the nation's open class on like three weeks on that bike. Right. And so maybe Tomek decides he wants to come race. I don't think so. I think he's done after Supercross. Sexton and Anderson and anyone else in the 450 class will have done 17 Supercrosses and 11 Nationals and then have to do three more races. They're going to be a little bit more worn down where Jet's got that youthful energy plus is only doing half the Supercrosses. Um, I'm going to go with over four. And I think they get five. I think they get five somehow. Uh, some of the team four and five for wow. sure. That's pretty incredible. Like um, the 250 West, I think honestly it's championship or bust for Jet. Um, it's Jet, and then it's everybody else. Uh, he does have some quick running mates. I think uh, the two guys on the Kawasaki's post the uh, the the stiffest competition in Austin Forkner and Cameron McAdoo, but both those guys have been proponent to hit the ground a whole lot more than than Jet has um in the past and uh i honestly I, I think jet is a heavy favorite for that championship on the east coast the deep coast honestly it, i like i i like you said i i like hunter's chances of winning 250 super or outdoors a lot more than i like him winning 250 east uh if you roll back to our 250 uh preview show i predicted seth hammaker wins that championship and i'm i will be proven right in about 19 weeks time um 250 outdoors. I think, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be Hunter. I think he's, he's strong. He's consistent. He knows these tracks. It's going to be his fourth summer racing these tracks. So I give him a huge thumbs up on that. I think he, he go, he wins that championship going away. 450 outdoors. I think you got to go with uh, Chase Sexton. Like as we sit here, the first week in January, uh, Chase Sexton is definitely my favorite for that championship. He's been fast. He's been consistent. Uh, and then when it comes to the SMX thing, like you said, Checkers, it is an absolute roll of the dice. It's three. It's three races. Basically, reset the points. See what happens. So on the 250 side of things, it's uh, it's probably going to be Hunter, uh, or it's going to be uh, one of the guys in the Kawasaki's. Uh, like maybe by that time, uh, one of the Yamaha guys, uh, Star Racing Yamahas has really established himself or maybe we're talking about how much of a crazy turnaround max voland has made from his career uh but i haven't seen that yet so i still have to give hunter the nod on that one and then 450 smx um i think by then chase sexton owns this uh owns the sport and uh, and he rides that thing home um uh, so yeah chase Sexton, give me give me chase sexton on uh 450 outdoors and uh the the um the smx championship i still think eli tomac takes the uh, takes the championship uh in supercross this year uh so roundabout way of saying the lawrences probably getting at least three championships this summer if not four what do you think debo yeah i'll keep it short and sweet i i believe that a minimum of three between the two of them and a maximum of five so it's going to be interesting when checkers first brought it to my attention on a text thread, I kind of stopped for a minute and usually wanted to tell him he's full of shit, but cause that's just a standard reaction I have for anything checkers says, but I actually took a minute and thought about it. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty crazy thought thought. And uh, you know, more I thought about it, you know, six is pretty outlandish and that's a perfect season. But for one thing that's really key with these two riders is they're they've had healthy seasons from get from the beginning to the end. 
Very few guys have been as consistent as these two riders have been in their championships. They finish, they do barely finish off the box ever, whether it's supercross or the outdoors. I see that type of consistency for Jet for the on the 450 as well. He was brilliant at the donations. So again, I'm gonna stick with minimum three, a maximum five. I don't think they'll get all six. That'll be a Wow, that would be un- un- unbelievable. The, Auss- the Aussies will be losing their minds and uh, slowly taking over the United States. But um, I'm going to stick, like I said, three three minimum, five maximum. It's going to be a banner year for Lawrence Brothers and probably something we have never seen. Obviously, not, nothing we've ever seen in the past. Well, there's going to be definitely a few shoeys being uh, consumed between now and the end of the season. Uh, probably more from Hunter, less from uh, Jet, given the fact that he's not old enough to drink. Um, you could in Canada, though. I don't think he's going to do any Canadian nationals, though. Heck, I wouldn't do any Canadian nationals. And I would, I could qualify for them because they don't turn anyone away. Um, but uh, last one on the docket for the uh, sort of us uh, having a little bit of a uh, uh, this dash for cash, this... Moto X Dream 360 Dash for Cash uh, is uh, which team is going to have the most amount of points at the end of the year? Uh, Monster Kawasaki, Monster Pro Circuit Kawasaki, or Star Racing Yamaha? Actually, both a, a, a Yamaha or a, a Monster backed team. And uh, so, which which of the claws do I like better? I think you got to give the nod to Kawasaki. Like they're they're coming out with uh, three guys who are like championship contenders they got seth hammaker who's in his uh his third year in in supercross uh if he can stay healthy he's got crazy speed and i think he can lead a lot of laps on the east coast uh and then you you got a two-headed monster over on the west coast with uh cameron mcadoo and uh and forkner so honestly like the the lowest guy on the totem pole is i'm drawing a blank on their last guy um Shimoda, Jesus Christ, Shimoda. All four of those guys are solid. Every single one of those guys is solid. The fact, like the fact that, like in my own head, like Shimoda might be the third or fourth guy on that team. Like Supercross, he's not like a, like a no world beater, but like, um, I think Pro Circuit Kawasaki has maybe the strongest lineup that they've come to the races with in three or four years compared to Star, who basically their entire their entire team is made up of unproven guys. You've got Nate Thrasher, who has two speedway wins and one um, like shootout win, which shootouts always seem to produce a lot of weird winners, uh, weird first time winners for certain. Um, if you just look back at the the results, if it wasn't like a top guy winning, it was usually somebody who was kind of like like kind of out of nowhere. Um, so I give the nod to Kawasaki, although uh, it's hard to bet against those star racing Yamahas. They have been very strong over the last few years. What do you think, Debo? Well, you know, I think we can all agree that with the pro circuit Cali riders, where there's a will, there's a way to find themselves somehow getting injured, uh, some freak crash, <laughs> some freak incident, something happened at press day, something happened on the test track. I hope that's not the case this year. Uh, knowing and working with Mitch as many years as I have in the past, the man, I don't see, I don't know anyone that works harder than he does in the entire team. And I know that's a big stretch because everybody works really hard. But I know that Mitch wants to make this happen. He's been very patient with Austin Fortner, obviously much longer than some of us would probably normally would have been. He's given Cameron McAdoo a shot. Uh, Joe was a, was a fill-in rider last minute that came in. It's done wonderful. Hammaker, they've just given him a two-year deal. They've got a great team. So I'd give them the shoe in definitely over Star. 
Uh, it's a shame that these Lawrence brothers could possibly mess up their whole season. But uh, I think this has got to be, if there's a year for pro circuit to monster Kawasaki to do something, 2023 is the year for them to get some championships and uh, to make some shit happen. And for some riders on that team to finally show, show their worth and the fact that they've been kept on the team for so long. And checkers, you get the floor for the last, uh, last kick of the can at this thing. Well, I mean, I would like to tell you that I don't agree that monster energy pro circuit Kawasaki is going to get it because I want to play the other side. Um, but I think that on paper, that is a really, really strong lineup. The one way that star racing Yamaha can get more points is if they let their guys actually race instead of leaving Ferris and Deegan at home, not racing, <laughs> bring them to the track and just did it with sheer numbers. Yeah. Um, hopefully Robertson has a breakout like civil war style. Just <laughs> yeah. outnumber them. I mean, they have, they have a roster of like nine guys getting ready for nationals. So um, heck, bring Dax Benick up too. We need we need him. We need all the points that we can get to go after Hell, this. Hell, bring back Matt monster. LeBlanc. I think he's roofing. <laughs> Seriously, um, I think that's the only way because one by one, their riders just they don't stack up. I mean, for either Robertson or Thrasher to have a breakout year, or maybe Jordan Smith to finally get her done in his 18th season in the class um, and score a lot of points, maybe. But I don't see as a whole all of them being able to score enough points to come close to the effort that um, the pro circuit Kawasaki team has. This is definitely rebuilding time. Um, if you're over there in the star racing camp and maybe waiting for the future to come on up with danger boy, Deegan, who gosh, I would love to see him on the East coast opener. I want to see him bad. See Let's see him race. Like a couple weeks. Let, we get I'm making weeks. shirts tonight before I go to bed. Let Deegan race. 250 East t-shirts will let, be available. I'm let make, danger I'm, race. <laughs> let danger boy race. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I can't let another day slip by before I make those shirts. I will make millions uh, or at least eight bucks. Um, uh, which is how much I make off each sale. Um, but anyway, um, I, we, we, I know we're doing a, uh, a fantasy draft. Are we throwing that? When are we throwing that in checkers? I, I I'm looking at the, the itinerary that you sent over to me and I don't see that on my itinerary. So I think we could just shoehorn that in wherever the fuck we want. How about right now? Right meow. Okay. I have the draft board right on the screen. Okay. We, you are, you are in control of the screen. So please don't. Uh... Yeah. All right. Cool. I like it. Um, and I guess draft order. Oh, it's right here. And I guess I'm first pick too. So it's a three man, do you want to lay out the rules of what we're picking? Well, it's basically a three man, three team draft checkers. And I, we've done this before in an, uh, in our OG text thread group. There's, uh, was 11 of us. We did it. And then I put together another text, uh, another group of Facebook friends and, uh, I threw Brad in the list. That was 10 of us that did it. We kind of changed it up for this one, which there's only three of us doing it this time. Each of us will draft four for 50 riders. Each of us will draft two or three 250 West riders and three of us or the three of us will each draft three 250 East riders. We can draft them at any order we want. We'll start with uh, a snake draft. Checkers will go first. I'll go second. Brad will go third for round two. Brad will go first. I'll go second. Checkers will go third. And we'll do that for 10 rounds. And so checkers, you'll be leading off this first round. You can take anybody off the board possibly you want. Who will you be taking at draft number one? And the first pick of the 2023 Big MX Radio Supercross Draft is going to be 
Give me El Hombre, Jason Anderson. That's a very nice pick there. I like it a lot. I'm going to be following that up with a uh, Mr. Eli Tomac will be taking the number two spot on the Team Debo team. I'm going to win. You ain't winning shit. All right. Uh, so with the third pick in the 2023 fantasy draft for Big MX Radio, Race Tech, and Moto X Dream 360, I'm going to go with Chase Sexton. Shocker. You'll be going twice. And You'll be taking the next pick as well. That's right. With the fourth pick, I will be taking Jet Lawrence. The Jet Lawrence man is going in the fourth spot. First pick in the second round. I'll be taking with the second, with the fifth overall pick. I will be taking his brother, Hunter Lawrence. Hunter! I was kind of hoping I'd get all three of those guys, but I knew my chances were slim. Slim to none. All right, hang on. I'm just making sure that I stay up to date with the all notes. good. Brad you has type, you type faster than I do. That's Devo good. has Hunter and Brad has Jet. And Jet it's my second pick. I'm gonna go with another 450 rider. I got the Mookie Fever, baby. He's gonna win a race this year and help me win this championship. Malcolm Stewart is gonna line up alongside Jason Anderson. Hopefully, they don't take each other out every single dang week. Yeah, your team might, it might be like, uh, that might be a little bit of a civil war slash like friendly fire. Ooh, and I get to go again. Oh, man. Okay. I. I'm going to have three champions on my team. This is going to be sick. Because these 250 kids are an absolute nightmare. Um, I'm probably going to pick somebody that's not going to even make it to the second race. Really have high hopes for Thrasher. Mm. I got to go with a future 450 star of Austin Forkner. It wouldn't be right mm, if I didn't pick. take him. Forkner is going to lead because he's on a much weaker West Coast. Don't start with me, buddy. <laughs> We've already started that. Like, I, I feel like you've been needled like well, the it's entire not true. time I so mean, far. If I, actually, if I actually was like concerned about it, then I would, <laughs> it would take it more personal. But since you're both complete morons I'm, I'm not even taking it to heart <laughs> denny like when the when the coasts come together do you think that any of the 250 west guys will even be in the top 10 they might not even qualify <laughs> <laughs> i think that's i think they should make the, i think they should just run instead of having an east you know an east qualifier and a west qualifier they should just go like yep. they do normally just all just go times man yeah and that way that way you could literally have 15 west guys and like five east guys you know in the main event so that sounds as fair as me. <laughs> yeah. Or I, I think maybe like they should just make the East guys start backwards dead engine with their bike in neutral just to make it fair. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just turn around backwards. Would Checker, yeah. Checker and I are still firm believers that they need to narrow the start, run 11 gates and run double starts, double rows. That's Checker's Just like arena cross. Well, yeah, that much floor that they say. Make the heat race is that much more important. Right, Checker? Yep. Tell, tell them our story. Okay. Our I can give you okay. all the bullet points of this. You take up Perfect. way less floor space so you can get another lane, longer lap yeah. times, less track wear. It can make the start safer because they're narrower. You're not funneling 20 guys in. You're only funneling 11 or not 22. You're funneling 11. They can be shorter because you don't have to funnel so wide. So they can even add more floor space. It makes heat races more important because now you want to be in those top 11. So you're at least on the front row of the start so that you need to be top five in the fat or top six in the faster heat. So top five in your heat to guarantee a front row. 
um, less first-term pops. Plus, that means that you have a better chance of getting Eli Tomac, Chase Sexton, Malcolm Stewart, et cetera, off the starting gate, at least in the top 11, if not, you know, in the top five or six, because they have an advantage on the start. And that means all your fast yeah. guys are going to be able to start battling from the moment the gate drops versus Dylan Fernandez starting in 22nd and having to come all the way up to yeah. 11th by the end of the race. I like, so, I, I like everything about that, actually. Like that is, if you want to like protect your investment, if you're felled entertainment, as far as like making sure that you're, best stars are up front i think that would be an absolutely fantastic way to make sure that's continuing to happen you're also sorted out more into into the first lane of the track even like you're yeah you're creating a little bit more separation which is good in that sense of safety so safer uh, yeah sorry about my mini rant debo who do you got fine debo you're up i'm taking cameron mcadoo with the eighth pick and the number two pick in the third round i'm going to take my first west rider in cameron mcadoo all right, West, Debo. So All right, so I get two picks in a row. Um, so with that, I'm going to go with uh, Christian Craig. And then I'm going to go with uh, my lap. My, I'm going to, I was going to do, go all like kind of like 450 to like kind of back and forth with the 250s. But now I'm going to take Seth Hamaker, which means I have my prediction for the 450 champion, the 250 West champion, and the 250 East champion, all on my team, you guys should be worried. That's funny. I almost took him in that last round just to piss you off. Perfect. Was, I, I appreciate your pettiness. I was going to definitely take him <laughs> just to go, ha, ha, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. That's awesome. Uh, so that puts uh, me back up again. Um, yes, sir. With, man, this, is go- this definitely goes much quicker. I'm not used to this. I have the 11th pick, second pick in the fourth round. I'm looking at. Why is AJ Catanzaro available? He's racing. I know. He's training with the Lawrences and racing. Yeah, someone told me today that he's been training and racing with the Lawrence brothers and he should be kept an eye out for him. And I have nothing wrong with AJ, but. Who said that? I love AJ. Somebody on Facebook had mentioned it. He's actually right. AJ's great, but. You know, for him to become a top 10 rider, he'd, he'd first have to qualify. So, um, yeah, the, there yeah. was a night show he didn't make last year. So, I was, it, was he, he is, riding 125 at some events, though? Was he riding a no, two stroke? 250F all, all last year? He rode at 125 yeah, he, at one race with Stank yeah. at a shoot I showdown. That's right. But he, uh, he has been riding, and I know for sure, That's like good. years of him racing 450 Supercross if he had more than three hours on a bike before the first race, that was a lot of training for him. And he made 450 mains at like round two before. That's dude true. He didn't make it because San Diego, he made it. And this is extremely fun to watch ride. And if he's putting in a little bit of work, do I think he's a top 10 guy? No, but I do think he's no, a yeah. main event guy every week in a 250 class. If he's trying. For sure. And one, one thing that he also does, and I'm not sort of talking myself into him, is that uh, he literally makes a living teaching people how to race a motorcycle, which if you're having to continuously like work on your craft and like understand how to go faster, uh, I think that's just a recipe for for being good on your own motorcycle. It doesn't always translate, but sometimes it does. Well, his most memorable experience for me for last year was when he uh, was interviewed on the track during practice and he gave a perfect assessment of what was going on in the rhythm sections and something like that. Uh, he was fantastic during race day live. And 
at that moment, I'm like, man, he, he should be up in the booth and, uh, and not on the track because he did a great <laughs> job explaining it. So um, he definitely has a future in talking. Obviously, he does a lot of videos with his whatnot. So, yeah. Anyways, moving on from AJ Cantzero and his uh, possible 2023 season, I'm going to take Justin Barsha. We're moving this back to the 450 class with Ooh. the 11th pick, which leaves it up to now checkers and his back-to-back picker picks. All right, updating the spreadsheet, and then oh, we, we, okay. at this point we each have two. We both have two two. We each have two four fifty riders at this point. Yes. Yeah, I've been waiting on the two fifty east because it's so deep. So, um, I just there's so many good choices over there. So, <laughs> sticking with that theme, hmm, I'm going to continue to wait on the two fifty east, and I'm going to go with two two fifty west picks for back to back. I believe. Um, I can guess one of them. Oh, yeah, I know exactly where he's going. Yeah. The one that you missed <laughs> the other day, Mitchell <laughs> Oldenburg, because that is one of them. Oldenburg is solid. Oldenburg right now? Taking Oldenburg right now. He was going to be there. He was going to be there. Uh, wow. In a while from now, I think. Yeah. You got to well, remember. You could have got him. You could have got him in round six. That's kind of like drafting a kicker in the second round. You guys underestimate how good of a two quarterback league. And (laughs) for my other one, he's going to push the front end like a broom every single time, but he's going to be on my team doing it. My last 250 West pick in the much weaker coast, the last good pick over there, RJ Hampshire. I didn't take it. I didn't take it all who I thought you were going to take. I knew that is. So when you take him, you can tell me who that is. That's funny. I really. I think you thought you were going to take Styles. I did think you were going to take Styles. That would have been my next pick, and I mean, honestly, him and RJ. Are, I would like to say they're a toss-up, but really, I mean, RJ's won races, so. Oldenburg was a, a surprise. I did not, and I did not expect you to. I expected to take uh, the, the broom pusher and Styles, Styles, whatever the hell. All right, what's on they to me now? Push pretty good. He does. He pushes that broom like uh, like a shop, shop a shopkeeper. Um, I'm going to jump over to the east because it's not. Talented. There's only a few riders to take over there before you run out. I'm going to take that uh, Michael Moseman kid. I'm going to make sure and watch Transformers before every east race, so I know what he's thinking while he's racing. And so with the uh, 14th pick, I will take Mr. Michael Moseyman. With more pe- with more 250 West guys being taken to this point, does that mean that the West has more talent on it? I don't, I don't no, know. No, because see, I figure I can maximize points on the West because it's not as deep. So I know that it's oh, okay. guaranteed my guys are going to be in the top five. Fair deep enough. I, only I, five the, East is, the East is deep like a puddle. Deep like a puddle. <clears throat> well, the ocean's a pretty deep puddle. Um, okay, let me go with... Um, I got two picks in a row here. Let's go Joe Shimoda. And... We're going to need more 450, guys. Give me... Give me the... Uh, 2023 450 rookie of the year Colt Nichols. 
Colt Nichols. Colt 45. Colt 45. He he just looks good riding a motorcycle. And walking I'm excited to see him on a 450. I haven't uh haven't really watched much video of anything, so get a good start, run that pace, see how the pace If he stays is healthy, I think he can really make something happen. I really do. Well, that's a big statement, and I, I, don't, I don't mean that derogatory, but obviously he's no, that's some, fine. Uh, he's had a lot of injuries over his career, and uh, oh, he's he's, he's been hurt every year except for the year he got the title. Yeah, he was even bold enough to be a complete band aid and pick number thirteen. He's a fighter. Like, yeah, he did that. Is, that has balls. Thirteen. It seems like a lot of the guys who are getting coming off the injuries decide to stay bucket and take thirteen. Blake Wharton took thirteen. Factory yeah. Phil took 13 and said, you know, when we was at Great Western with us, had a great season mm-hmm. 13. Uh, RJ took 13 coming off his broken wrist. Tortelli. Tortelli, I forgot Tortelli was that. 13. Swink was 13. Jesse um, Nelson was 13. When he got hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a yeah. Super it's crazy. It's, uh, I was born on the 13th, August 13th. So uh, Friday that 13th, one of my favorite days, but I, I don't think I'd ever okay. take the number. And Another kind of going a little crazy is when Mike LaRocca was number six, he was hurt getting hurt quite a bit. So midway through the season, they threw a number six under his front fender in belief to get away from the six, six, six number. Really? I actually, I asked Steve Lampson about that, why no one's taken six since he gave it up. And he told me it's because, yeah, like the, the, the six, six, six thing. I'd never even thought about that. Yeah. When he was getting, LaRocca was getting banged up with his wrist that year at Suzuki and his dad was a mechanic at the time. We were riding Suzuki at the time, and uh, they uh, threw a number six onto the front fender so they could add four sixes. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Talk about some serious superstition, I'll tell you. All so, right, uh, Debo, you're up, buddy. I'm going to take, um, since we're running out of ro- talent in the East class right now, <laughs> clearly, I'm going to take my last. Is race winners still there? I'm going to take Thrasher. Who I took got in that last draft we did the other night, Brad. I think I took Thrasher like the 36th spot. I couldn't believe no one wanted him. I can I, I I was when you picked him, I was like, ah, for fuck's sake. They were taking crazy take crazy riders, like way down the list. And I'm like, maybe I I, I kept looking at yeah. the list. I'm like, I someone's like taking Hardy Munoz. I'm like, what? Like, did I forget to mark him off the list? I'm like, no, he's available. So I didn't have to ask. I'm like, is Thrasher still available? They're like, Oh yeah, he sucks. Oh, okay, then I'll take him, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, did I just put Thrasher on your East? I did. Sorry. Yeah, Thrasher's on mine, bro. My, my East Coast. West well, I got Coast. the three best East guys. And you guys got all, since it's so deep, you guys can get in there with Viale and, and Martin and Jordan Smith. You can take those guys. I'm loaded. Okay. I get two picks in a row. Well, I could Stop. go with some inconsistent 250 kids. Styles is still there for you. Um, my West is full. Oh, look at you. Right? That's right. You. you are. You got two, yeah, my you West got two is full. riders and three East riders remaining. Yep. Right. Um, let's see. Where are you guys sitting with East? You guys each have only one left. So, um, Who's the other West guy I have? There's a ton of West guys left. I've already got all the best East. So good luck. Chuck. I only have one West guy. No, you have. Yeah, you have Jet. Yep. Well, he counts as two because he's going to get like twice as many points as everyone twice else. As he's going to get. He's going to take first and second every race. They probably just should. Ask the, just ask the Aussies. He gets a provisional into the main event. Like even if he like wads himself in the in the heat race, he's just in. Right. 
I really hate to do it, but oh, it makes me sick to say it. He's going to go with Varese. I got to go Jordan Smith. I took it in my, our first draft. So I, I, I'm hoping he does well. We're gonna, I'm going to have so many drafts going. It's like playing when you play fantasy football in five leagues and you're usually playing yeah. against most of the guys you have on your other teams. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely beat myself in fantasy like nine times is great. Right. You're like, oh man, I need to do really well this team. Oh God, that same team's all beating me with someone else in another league. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or you, you know have how like sick to my stomach that I am right now that I just did that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because. I basically left you guys nothing left on the week on the East. East isn't that deep. You're going to have to admit it right now. And next up, I'm going to take Marvin Muskan. Marvelous Marvin. I was going to, okay. I was going to take him next. So good thing you mm. snagged him. Marvin. He's just like, I should have taken Marvin over, over Nichols. That was silly. Yeah, that was silly. That was but silly. We're not, I wasn't going to say nothing. I was going to try and snag him up here in my <laughs> next round. Well, now that I took your pick, Danny, who do you got? I got to get you loaded up here. Hold on a second. You got Jordan Smith, and you got Marv. You going to take Hunter Slosser. <laughs> <laughs> With the 20th pick, the second pick in the, in the seventh round, moving right along here. Okay, my team is already dominating. Let's see. Oh, we got Marge Spang. Well, I don't have to worry about East. So in the West, I got Pierce Brown available. Stylus Robertson, Levi Kitchen, Max Ancy, Max Bowen, Enzo Lopes, Robbie Wageman. Look at how deep the West class is. And you guys, all you have left is Marge Spang, Swole, J-Mart, Jale, Romano. I can't believe you guys get, you know right now for a fact that the West <laughs> is deeper. It's deep, is bottomless almost. Look at the bottom of our list. Jared Steinke and AJ Cantazaro. You're telling me that Harriman and Schlosser beat them? Yeah. <laughs> you got to go to yeah. the bottom I, if you want to talk I'm about I'm quaking death. in my boots with Chad Saltz. Look out, everybody. All right. I mean, well, I'm, it's funny. The two 450 guys are two guys I already have on in other teams. Uh, it's my options are Ken and Cooper. So that's, and I've been bashing on uh, Ken on that 2018 Suzuki quite a bit now, but I did draft him in my other draft. But I think I'm going to have to go regardless. With the number 94 Suzuki, actually, I'm going with the number two of Cooper Webb. See that switch right there, gentlemen? Oh, the going with the switch. two-time Supercross champion, who I think will be, who will survive. Well, this this draft is only for the first eight rounds, and then we will redraft after round eight. So it's almost Ken is actually a good pick in the first eight rounds, but I'm going to go with well, that. That's why I'm taking him with the next pick. Oh, well, you do think he's going to win races still, so. Oh, is that official, Brad? Are you going Ken Roxon? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Ken Roxon with I my with the the last pick in round seven, first pick in round eight. Uh, we need a 250 West guy. Um, give me. Uh, give me Styles. 250 West Rider Styles Robertson. Styles Styling and profiling. Hey, that's a good pick this late in the draft, I feel. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I just definitely put you as Pierce Brown instead of Styles. Hang on. Pierce Brown may go undrafted. If I'm if I'm picking. Well, I have two West remaining. 
and you have one West. So there's three three spots left to be taken from the two two West. Quite possible. All right, Dennis. I'm up next. Denny has 450 rider available, a West rider and an East rider. Very balanced team. For He's Dennis, a very so. balanced team. You know, my East is done. What did I miss there? I got Nate Slaw, from... Moseyman, and Thrasher. Oh, because I put Thrasher on the West. Yep. No, he's East. So I'm done with that. I'm moving on to either 450 or the West right now. In the 450, I had Ferrandez, Cianciarello, Plessinger, Wilson, Savachi. Um, it's a tough one here. I am going to take hmm. I think I'm gonna have to take old Pierce Brown, I think. Or well done. He's gonna slide gonna to take, me. I'm gonna take hmm, damn it. I'm gonna take Pierce Brown. I'm taking him. Oh yeah. Thank you. That leaves, yep. I'm going to take his ass. Pierce Brown with the 23rd pick. 250 West Rider Pierce Brown is now joined Team Debo. I wonder how he feels about that. I don't know, but I'm going to give Debo a little lesson in draft strategy as I was out of 250 West Riders and he will get 250 West back again untouched and he could have chosen a 450 Rider instead. But now I have a chance to steal one from him as one of my picks. So do I want Ferrandis, AC, Plessinger, Wilson, Savachi, Chiz, Hill, Gloss, Makarath? Hmm. Because Brad has one 250 East left, so... Yep. Let's see. I'm torn one between three guys who all have quite the large downfall, but I have to pray that Dylan Ferrandez somehow figured out his starts and he's going to join my team. Okay. Oh, between Jordan Smith and Dylan Ferrandez, I'm going to. Have I was going to say, how's your blood pressure over there? Long yeah. nights, but I really do like my 450 lineup as a whole. I think it's, it's pretty strong. All four of my guys yeah. are in the top 10. And the 450 yeah, guys race every week, so that means good. So now I'm left with two 250 East riders. One of them right now is going to get picked. I wish Kyle Peters was racing all the rounds because I would be in on that. Yeah, he would be, he'd be like a – he'd be top five every round he race. He, he will be top five when he races. All right, well, if we're going with – Hashtag deep field and former race winners. I got to go Jeremy Martin, too, to go along with Jordan Smith, right? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's 2017. This is this is crazy. Uh, I just put Jay Smith, but it's really Jay Martin. They're basically the same person. That is incredible. I hate my team right now. The 450, of, I'm good with them. You got a lot of J's going on with your your names. 
Uh, We're back at myself here. I need a 450 and a 250 East Rider with the 26th pick. Hopefully I snagged uh, Dylan Ferrandez from you. Hopefully that would have been your pick. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I wanted to leave him there because I didn't want to have to take him. <laughs> I and I might have taken him. And I feel like Dean Wilson is going to be my guy. I think he's going to be running top 10. He's going to run anywhere from 7th to 12th all season long. I heard he looks great on the Honda. I just got word of that recently. I just posted his new fly Rockstar helmet. It looks pretty kick-ass. I saw a picture of his son holding the Rockstar can. So he's starting the sun early on some high energy drinks, some taurine. And uh, so I am all in with the Dean Wilson in my final and fourth and final 450 spots. Never mind. It's 2014. Um, I heard today from one of his best friends um, on the uh, Moto 60 show that he was not worried about Dean being a let down, but his team letting him down. And it made me wonder, I was like, you know, Roxon just about went there. That would have been disastrous if the team was letting him. Paul down. said sounds, that. Yeah. Paul said it on the Moto 60. Mm. Um, it sounds like just having parts mean. and bikes there or maybe bikes. Yeah, I get somewhere. it. I'm not sure exactly what part of it was not, was letting him down, but yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I heard, I remember we saw that one, I think he posted our text thread or something. He had, Dean had posted something saying that uh, he was having some issues or questionable or something. You know, we kind of made a, a little derogatory statement. We, as we, at least we took a derogatory as how things were going during testing. But I had heard yesterday that he was pretty happy with the bike and everything. So well, I heard how great that bike was, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, podium speech yeah. is best Honda out there, bro. Yeah, exactly. Two picks right, for Brad. Brad. You're up with the 27th and 28th pick. Wrapping up round nine and uh, wrapping things up here pretty quick. Ah, 250 East. Uh, Got to take somebody. Uh, former race winner. Uh, give me, like, honestly, I kind of want to go with Caden Braswell because he's, like, he's a rookie. But, uh, no, nah, I got to go with March Banks. Hopefully his engine stays together and he stays off the ground. Give me March Banks. On the east, That's a good one. I, I thought Checkers would go. I thought he was going to go March Banks instead of J Mart. Yeah, I'm not sold that March Banks is going to be healthy coming into the year. Yeah, by East be, still. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, East is only round five this year. Yeah, that's so. true. Well, we'll see. Like he'll be like, racing. I just don't know if he'll be a hundred percent. Worst case scenario, we only have like a thousand dollars on this, so. Um. And then uh, I've, I'm stuck. Like my team is stocked full. My 250 teams is just full of pro circuit and star guys. So I would be silly not to go with uh, Levi Kitchen. Got my team kicks ass. Yeah, the only non like on the 250s, the only non pro circuit or is Jet and uh, um. This is an interesting for only three of us playing this game. This is a pretty interesting group here. March Banks. I'm surprised that nobody took uh, Mitchell Harrison. Well, Denny still has a chance. He has a 250 West Rider left. <laughs> no. Does, does, hey, does Brad has all four of it? Brad has all four of his 450 guys then, right? Yes. Brad's done. I'm done. This is your last pick. Yeah. Who was his last 450 guy? 
Sexton, Craig, Roxon, and who else? Uh, Nichols. Nichols, that's right. Remember when I took Nichols like 10 picks too early? <laughs> like an hour ago, we took him. <laughs> yeah, I took him before like the somebody, show. The other, like I said, in our draft the other night, when uh, Brad or like somebody took Kitchen like in the second round or something like that. I was like, someone took Hardy Munoz in the fourth round. <laughs> no, he was the last pick, I think, for somebody who was going to take, uh, I think he was going to take Kyle Peters. Remember, and we're like, well, I don't think he's going to race that. He might not race at all. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. He goes, I'll take Hardy. Kyle Peters. I'm like, I don't think he's racing East. He's like, fine, I'll take Hardy Munoz. I'm like, I like your pick, Peters pick better. <laughs> That was a hell of that. Yeah, you could all, yeah, him not racing might have been better than so yeah. Hardy. Hardy makes some exciting moves, I'll tell you. He's not afraid oh. to put that front wheel where it doesn't do it. The cardiac yeah. kid. <laughs> all right, with I'm up with the second to last pick, the 29th pick of the 10th round of our big MX draft with Checkers and Brad and myself. And I need a 250 West Rider. Kitchen is gone. I'm going to be taking the Brit, Mr. Max Anstey, who I almost took earlier, but it was now still available. That's a good pick for a last a, round. Is also on a Honda. The same, he's on the same team with Wilson, right? Yes. Yes. It's a great Fire pick. Firepower Honda. Power, firepower. What's that froth? Is that a cleaning business of some sort? Yeah, it's uh, your Eve's basically version of Muckoff. Yes. And with the final pick, all right, well, let's see. So you just had to go Max Anstey on a Firepower Honda for the last West pick. Yeah, I just announced they're having a hard time getting parts. I get a pick between Factory Riders, Jalik Swole, Tom Vial, Nick Romano, possibly Hayden Deegan. Let's not forget about the dude that won the Horizon Award, Caden Braswell. Jace Owen, the dominant arena cross rider who is a top 10 guy every time in Supercross. Kyle Peters, who might race as the new guy in Arena Cross, or Michael Hicks. Or let's not forget about last year's Rookie of the Year, Colin Park. Oh, my gosh, the East is deep from all these choices. I don't know who I'm going to pick. I have three or three or more factory riders to pick from still. I know. Just take oh, Chance Hymas. So much depth. Yeah, Chance Yale's Hymas. never raced a Supercross. Romano's never raced a Supercross. Yeah, really deep. Man, deep field. You know what? I think that – going with Max Sanford. <laughs> oh, man. Hardy Munoz is still available. Cody Shock. Remember how good he was two years ago? On a 450 outdoors when the when the, yeah. the 450 so class was a, a triage unit. We got uh, Kizarro. Yeah. We got Jared Stanky. Lance uh, Kobush, who was like really good on a factory rider, Jalik Swole. All right. That's uh, not bad. Remember when uh, Lance Kobush was like a team green kid, like about to like set the world yeah. on fire and then like broke his collarbone and did nothing after that. He, he mm. did really well at the uh, super mini at the uh, U S or the monster. Energy Cup, that's I right. Believe. I actually yep, used to race correct. with his dad. They're, they're from Missouri. So I used to race. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I figured he was from the middle of the country somewhere. He's a cool kid when he, he actually quit for a little bit. And then I think so too. Yeah. On some Husqvarna's and we did some stuff for him and I worked with him a little bit and, he was a nice kid, and he still got a lot of talent. Just it's hard when you lose that confidence and support and all that. All yes. right, well, our draft is in. Oh. I'm excited. I think I, I'm actually pretty stoked on my team. I'm, I'm really stoked. I think that was a lot of fun. Hopefully, people like enjoyed listening to that. Um, segment number three, the um, 
don't have a sponsor. We're just springing this. this on Denny right now. He has no idea yeah. what we're about to drop on it. Um, no, let's make taking, this. I need to get my charger here. Are you low on juice? Uh, that's fine. We will make this the Maxima USA Maxima Racing Oil is sponsored by SC1 Debate with Debo. Uh, this is going to be a question that will be posted uh to denny's twitter in the in the future uh where we're gonna like basically have people sort of ask some questions gonna get some fan interaction uh but because we literally came up with the concept for this show about nine hours ago um (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna uh just kind of play things off uh so we're gonna we're gonna change things up a little bit here and go with a question to debo is uh should chance hymas Ryder D, aka Ryder D. Francisco, or Guillaume Ferris, be racing full time 250 East Series, making it possibly the deepest class that the 250s have ever seen. Well, it's clearly not the deepest we've ever seen, but I do agree that both Chance and Ryder should be racing Supercross. They've already had a full season a full season under their belt of running the futures. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're no longer going to Loretta's. This is their chance to shine. I don't understand why they would race this, the, the futures one more year. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, Guillaume Ferris, uh, the Spaniard, I don't think he has ever raced supercross. I could see him possibly racing the, the future just because he's never raced much supercross. Um, but the other two, I don't think there's even a question Those they should be racing full bore, Supercross with the big boys, 250 East. Let's line them up. You know, what else are you going to do? How long are you to coddle them? I'm not a full believer. I think the futures are great indoors and out, but they've had their time. They've had their season. They've both proven that they've, uh, that they're good at it and uh, let's get ready to race. So uh, if they're not at the East, I'm going to have to call them a couple Sally's. <laughs> like we're on board with saying that Hayden Deegan has more time on a Supercross track than Tom Vial, right? Like that is a fact. Yes, That's a fact. Like, yeah. like, can we just acknowledge the fact that KTM's trotting out a guy that has like minimum, like no more than six months on a supercross track combined in his entire life versus a kid who did a backflip on a on a supercross track, like the, the landing of a triple on a sixty-five, like that. This is the world we're living in. Yeah, but I mean, experience that's, somehow. That's, that's the that's the trouble of bringing these euros over here, these world champions, and then throwing them to a supercross track. And you know, imagine in the past when we had you know David Villeman had uh, extensive supercross experience. I remember right. going over to France and, and racing David when he was on a 125, and we were in the 250 class, and they combined him and he whooped all of our asses on a 125. Um, obviously, Marvin Muskin has plenty of supercross experience, and then you have although you have then riders like uh, Greg Albertine who came over, Sebastian Tortelli who did not have a lot of supercross experience and you can see hard on bikes, how difficult it was to transfer over to that speed. Uh, Mikhail Pichon on the other end, super incredible supercross rider took to it naturally had a lot of experience with it coming over. Although the, the guys who uh, seem to have the most uh, success were able to start out on a 125, which is now into 250 class instead of being thrown to the wolves of the 250 now 450 class. So I think Frederick or uh, Tom Viale, I keep calling Frederick, which I believe is his father's name, who I remember was my age. Uh, I think Tom will hopefully survive and uh, and does not have to race the futures. But back to uh, Deegan, I hope he races the East. You know, I had a little message in with uh, with his dad Brian on Instagram. Says that he's still looking. They're looking for a little bit more speed. They're going to run the futures at A two and possibly those go from there. So 
I guess we'll know come Houston on February 4th, whether or not we'll see Hayden Deegan, Chance Hymas, or Ryder D for uh, Ryder D race in the, the 250 East class. Well, I look there forward to know. seeing what uh, people have to say and sound off with Denny and, and maybe others people out there that don't agree with us. Cause I think we're all kind of in agreement that you got to get your feet wet at some point. So we'll see how that this shapes out. And if people have suggestions for more questions for this, let us know. Be sure to mention Brad at Big MX Radio, Devo, and myself on uh, on Twitter with some question ideas on things that you want to hear Denny sound off on and debate. For certain. And then we're also going to like to throw in some questions uh, in this particular segment. We might uh, just pose a question to Debo uh, about his professional career or his thoughts on a specific topic within the sport, like a high, like one of the highlights or a storyline that's going on in the series. Uh, really dig into uh, Denny Stevenson, because like, in all, all seriousness, it is absolutely wild to me. Like I still sometimes have to sort of pinch myself that I have uh, someone on the line here who uh, competed the sport at its highest level uh, when the sport, in my opinion, was maybe at its most uh, vibrant and, uh, and, and like, I know it's when I was a kid, but honestly, like I'm looking up to a time period that I wasn't even really watching the sport because I didn't really start riding until I was about nine or 10 when I was, that's like 1999. Uh, So um Really cool to, to be able to, to pick the brain of one Denny Stevenson. From what he remembers, I'd imagine there is a little bit of brain fog due to yeah. um, beverages uh, that were consumed. CT is real, kids. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, stay stay in school and uh, play chess rather yeah, wear, than... Uh, always wear your helmets. Yes. Um, moving on to... Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a... Uh, or some pr- predictions for this upcoming race. As we said, this is a more of a prediction show or a preview show for what's to come at Anaheim one versus uh, sort of a look back, but also when we do these shows in the future, uh, there'll be a, a, probably a little bit peak, uh, maybe a little bit of a shoulder check more than a review uh, for the, the, the rounds that we've, that have come. And then we're looking forward to what's coming up. Uh, so like we're going to give our 450 top 10 and our 250 top five, uh for anaheim one uh it's nice to see that uh, jason anderson has been added to the pre-entry list why he was been off there until like two days ago is kind of beyond me but that's just someone over at uh, el hombre's camp not getting in the the proper paperwork i suppose um but uh yeah i'll throw this over to checkers give me your top 10 for the 450s all right well i mean we know we ripped through this as far as series ending previews um in our little preview show I'm going to mix yes. it up a little bit, being that A1 is absolutely chaos and crazy. Um, and I'm going to fire from the hip, so hopefully we'll, I'll count them as I go. Um, I think your winner of Anaheim 1 will be Jason Anderson. Second place, give me some Malcolm Stewart. Third place, Chase Sexton. Fourth place, Eli Tomac. Marvin Muskan for fifth. Um, Justin Barsha will be sixth. Ken Roxon seven. Dylan Ferrandez eight. Cooper Webb and actually Adam Cianciarillo ninth and Cooper Webb tenth. Oof, that's some uh, factory dudes that are not pumped about that. What about the factory Husqvarna that's not on the list? I was going to say, does Christian Craig know that you're mad at him? 
<laughs> no, actually, I think he'll do great at Anaheim one. He's he's a great starter and he's super talented. There's just it's there's a lot of guys you have to leave somebody off. And if I'm going to leave a guy off, I'm going to leave him off to prove my point <laughs> wrong. You're, you're a moron. I didn't see which one the arrow was to that said wrong, though. You're a moron. Just the whole list. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did uh, fire from the hip, but. Debo, give me your top 10, baby. Well, I have, uh, we have the same winner. I think Jason Anderson is going to come out of, the, of this gate firing uh, a one. He's uh, coming up un- under the radar. I really thought that there would be more pressure. I thought there'd be a lot more talk about Jason after an incredible season last year, both in supercross and outdoors uh, ending the season. Like he did uh, with what five wins, four or five wins in a row. I thought the world would be a buzz about Jason Anderson. And I thought maybe some of the pressure would uh, lead to a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a downfall in Jason, but from what I understand, he's got a daughter on the way. He is hundred percent focused. He loves the bike. He loves the way he's got his setup going out of Albuquerque back home and doing in California. So I have Jason taking the win as well at a one and second, I have chase Sexton. I think chase will lead the race. I believe he'll tuck the front end in a corner and fall down and hand the race to Ch- Jason. And then I can chase almost will get see it because those two, I believe will be out about, eight to 10 seconds on the rest of the pack in third. I have Justin Barsha. I have Barsha getting the whole shot quickly. Um, somehow Jason getting past him and Sexton get past him with him without him killing anybody yet. I think at least Justin will survive one round without committing complete committing complete murder on the track in fourth. I have Malcolm Stewart who will also just be kind of solid. He'll be chasing, uh, Barsha, but I think he'll want to realize I need to not do something stupid here. Let's keep everything nice and copacetic heading into round two. Let's get out of a one with the top five. And speaking of top five, I have Eli Tomac in fifth. Uh, Eli's not known to really come out of the gate very strong. I think um, I know that he has been not exactly happy on the 2023. That was previous rumors. So I think Eli will come out, not necessarily with guns ablaze. And I think he'll come out getting used to the bike, getting used to the competition, getting used to the track and be happy with the top five and move on to round two. In sixth, I have Christian Craig on the Husky, who I believe is going to have a, a stellar year if he can adapt to the Husky, get to those whoops, and uh, use his smoothness. One of the greatest, uh, smoothest riders I've seen, very similar to his father, who I grew up racing with. In seventh, I have Marvin Muscan, the Timex, the French Connection, the Pink Panther, the man that gives the best interview in the world. Give him a question. He'll talk for 15 minutes, much as I have with his top 10 so far. In the eighth spot, I have Kevin or Ken Roxon, Kevin Suzuki. Yeah, Kevin Windham, exactly. He'll be doing a transfer in between the races. But no, in eighth, I have Ken Roxon. I have no little to faith on the 2018 Suzuki. Again, nothing on the team, nothing to do with his mechanic, not even Ken's talent. I just think that the chassis is a heavier motorcycle. Uh, the, the excuse of a Kickstarter, I don't think means anything. If you fall down and got to kickstart your bike, you're not going to do great anyway. So I have Ken in the eighth spot in ninth. I got Cooper Webb. Um, I just didn't see a lot of fire out of Webb. Spent the summer racing off road, doing local races, which, you know, in a sense, you're going to probably maybe get a little more confidence, have a little more fun, get that good spirit going. I didn't think he looked good, very good at all at Paris racing the Supercross against everybody else. He's got to pick up a lot of his speed. He's back working with Alden. Is he happy? Who knows? I have Cooper Webb in a ninth spot. And rounding out the top 10, I got Dylan Ferrandis, the other French connection, who will probably start about 18th. He'll probably go down maybe once, but he will salvage a top 10. So that is my 10th spot. 
at Anaheim one, round one of the 2023 Supercross and Supermotocross series. Who did you have in fourth place? Between in fourth, I had Barsha. Mr. Malcolm Stewart. Malcolm third Stewart, twenty-seven. Okay, uh, fair enough. Well, I, I, some some variety there. Uh, the only commonality being at the very front. Um, and I'll, I'm going to break that up. I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm, I'm going to go in reverse order. Cause I like going, I like to have my surprise Build. be at the very top yes. builds the anticipation, you know, yes. kind of like kind of go around the outside and then sort of like back to the middle and then, and then, yeah, just Lick keep working. Capital it. And, T. That's right. Uh, all right. So within the 10th spot, uh, give me Christian Craig. I think that he has an up and down first race uh, on the 450. Um, he was like even even when he had um, a star racing Yamaha, he was not known for getting great starts. Um, not to say that the Husqvarna has been known to get bad starts, but I I you have an eyebrow raised, and I feel like Christian Craig's gonna be one of those guys who is for lack of better terms, sort of getting through a one, you like get that under your belt and move forward. I would not be surprised if that's literally a direct quote from Christian sometime uh, throughout the day or after the races and something like uh, to that effect Uh, in the ninth place spot. I'm going to agree with Danny and go with Cooper Webb. Cooper to me, uh, for whatever reason, he just seems uh, like I, I really can't figure out what's, what's driving him right now um, from the photos, the videos, the internet or the, the internet, the, the interviews that he's been doing uh, something seems to be missing uh, as far as just like the, the guy that I've grew up watching or I didn't grow up watching, but I've been watching pretty closely since he turned pro. He has a certain kind of that, that smirk when he knows he's confident and he does not have that right now. So that's why I put him in ninth um, in the eighth place spot. I'm going to go with Ken Roxon. Uh, again, I think he's a good starter and he's good at the opening rounds. Um, but uh, with a limited amount of time on the bike, uh, I think that he is going to be slotted somewhere around the eighth spot. And in fact, I think that's honest. If I had to bet, I think that's probably where I slot him in points for the year. I think he's going to have good nights. I think he's going to have dog shit nights and that's going to add up to an eighth place in the points. Um, in the In the seventh place spot, um give me uh probably his worst anaheim one since his first season in the class give me justin barsha um just switching on to the brand new machine about three weeks ago um like literally the photos that were taken with the the new race bike was like within the first week of him racing it or riding it in race trim which is i think is a um I don't think that's a recipe for success um, in terms of uh, him really setting the world on fire as far as results Um, in the seventh or sixth place spot. Give me Marvin Muskan. Marv's always pretty good at the first rounds. um, And I I sort of slot him in there. Um, Also a guy who doesn't usually come out super hot. I'll put in the sixth spot is um, or the fifth spot is Eli Tomac. Then give me. who do I have left now? This is, this is the, uh, this is the, the other side of doing it in reverse. So I kind of I'm losing who I have left. Um, give me Jason Anderson in the fourth place spot. Uh, then Malcolm Stewart. And. <sighs> who's going to win this race is, uh, is Chase Sexton. That like was like the opposite 
of the crescendo that I was looking for. The climax was a, but I still think I still think second. that Did you have second. I don't know. You went from fourth to third to first. I think. I think I listed at least eight, uh, at least ten guys. I think you went uh, Anderson, Malcolm. My Malcolm podium Anderson. is Anderson, Anderson, Malcolm, Sexton in that order, and I think Sexton wins. Oh yeah, where was Tomac at? Fifth. 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 That's why I had him, yeah. Yeah, like honestly, I I, I would not be surprised. And this is something that's very common with Eli Tomac on a brand new motorcycle. Although last year he was still pretty solid. Um, that when he's not adjusting to a new machine, and if he's not like if he's totally dialed, he does not have this problem. He's he's a, one of the most fit guys on the line. Um, but when he's battling setup, he almost always gets arm pump. He almost always gets an arm pump, and it's very debilitating. There's some guys who can ride with arm pump. There's some guys who cannot ride with arm pump, and he is one of the guys who really struggles with it when he has it. I Not to say like he's going to get arm pump, but if he gets it, uh, and a lot of those uh, symptoms sort of arise when he's not feeling comfortable with the motorcycle, starts holding on too tight and gets his arms to pump up, uh, Eli Tomac yeah. is going to fade back to like fifth, sixth, seventh, and that's where you saw him back in 2017 when he hated his Kawasaki. And that's he where he was last point. year. He finished. He went six four the first two rounds last there year. So, yeah, Average that's kind of why I have him with this bike again. Very similar uh, running about fifth. Not feeling great with the bike. Not feeling great. So he just kind of takes where he needs to be and uh, moves on to round two. So here's a yeah, random question I have for you guys. I'll go let you go first, Debo, and then Checkers. Who is most likely to leave Anaheim one like pissed about their finish? Like the most upset about how this like I'm starting off with like yeah who's going to be most most sort of disappointed in how their season starts off? Uh, I'm going to go Dylan Ferrandez. You know, obviously he's a former 450 outdoor champion. He struggled last year in Supercross, got hurt, missed the entire pretty much the entire season. Came out guns ablaze at donations. I think he surprised us all. Did not expect that from him. Although he did end up on the ground. I know in his mind, Yamaha's mind. His manager's sign, uh, mind, he's, he, he wants to win races. He wants to be up front running Supercross. And I have him again back in 10th. You have him, I think, about about the similar spot as well. I think Dylan Ferrandez is going to leave pretty pissed off that he is still not running the pace, still not seeing the lead pack, and uh, still getting shit starts. What do you think, Checks? I don't know if it's a rider. I'm guessing it is the, um, the team personnel at Red Bull KTM. In general, um, other than Marvin, I don't see I don't have any expectations for for the guys at all. And, and my ones with Marvin are mediocre. Um, I mean, if they get him to mow down the whoops or something, then maybe it'll it'll change a little bit. Or if it pours down rain like crazy and AP pulls off a win or something crazy like that. But I I think in general, um, and if I have to narrow it down to one guy, I would say Cooper Webb is is that guy I don't think any of us have very high expectations for him and I don't think he would be going racing if he didn't have high expectations for himself but I it's been over a year since I've seen something so um guess we'll see if he proves me wrong I hope I hope whoever's do, whoever's doing the floor announcing gets a chance to interview Roger at some point during the night because we all know Roger will not hold back it's brutally you know, honest yeah they need to go go faster they need to go faster. I don't think they need. They're not. They look like a. Uh, they're going quite slow. They're off the pace. I, I love Roger. He, he never holds back. And uh, yes, like I said, I hope 
whoever's doing the floor announcing gets a chance to interview him throughout the night because he will cut no, no will not hold back on what he thinks is going to happen. So, okay, give me the scenario right here. There's some like really crazy results that could happen outside the top ten. Let's just base this off of Debo's top ten. Let's go, uh, Anderson, Sexton, uh, Barsha, Mookie. Uh, Eli, uh, Craig, Ma- Marvelous Marvin Moosecan, Roxon Webb, and Ferrandis. After Ferrandis, it would be not crazy to see um, Colt Nichols there in that spot. Um, it would not be crazy to see Shane McElrath in 12th, Joey Savachi in 13th. That puts possibly a guy like uh dean wilson in the 14th 15th place spot like there are going to be some dude that like oh ap's not in your top 10 so he could be easily outside the top 12 like that if i'm a if i'm aaron plessinger and i'm rolling out of anaheim one with a 14th place finish i might be on full-on suicide watch well, I find it funny that you didn't have Adam Cianciarello in your top 10, yet you said you had him picking the winner race very early before Stewart. So that's kind of an odd there. Uh, did you forget Adam there, the AC? The... Yeah, that spot where I like couldn't figure out who should be in that like fourth place spot, just slide Adam yeah. in there. Okay, all right. Then. That's got to be the spot because I, I, I noticed him uh, on my chart. I have him about 11th spot. I have Plessinger probably around the same spot. That is where he yeah. faded to last year. Yeah, and it, it's a tough group. You know, it's top 10, top 15 are stacked. You know, like I said, I could see uh, Dean Wilson, Savachi, Plessinger, Seenstrell, any of those guys running from anywhere from 8th to 15th spot in these first couple of rounds. And hopefully throughout the whole season. You know, it's, it's, uh, God bless these guys, stay safe, and let's keep yeah. this, this class stacked throughout the whole season. And, you know, another thing I, I kind of wonder, and if I don't know if anyone really changed, I know it wouldn't really change my mindset racing. You know, this is a sense it's not just a 17-round series anymore. This is a 30-round, 30 31-round series, including the outdoors and the three super motocross rounds. You know, I wonder if this will change any rider's mindset into this is a full season that we need to accumulate points. There's a million dollars up for grabs come L.A. Coliseum October 14th. So I wonder if this will weigh anybody or if they're going to come in full bore and just treat this like a normal 17-round supercross season. I think that'll come in the future. I think yeah, they I need think- to do it a year or two first to where they then, you know, maybe start to build a little bit of strategy. Um, I don't know if you remember back when they started the Monster Cup in the Joker lane. The first year, there really was everyone's wondering when you do it or whatever. What was the strategy? By the end, if you had a good start, you did it at the end of the race. If you had a bad start, you did it at the beginning of the race. And that was like the known set strategy. Guys and teams, they learned and adapted to what worked. Um, or you just forgot. Or, yeah, just don't do it at all. Just don't do it at all. <laughs> like Lopoto and Dungey each did in one of the races. It's crazy. <laughs> What's crazy is that uh, the last round, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the last round, all three of those motos is for points. There are 67, 76 points available at the last round of the series, which means that this is, like in, say in the 450 class or either class, there are 46 point paying motos going towards this championship are all three races counted for points and all only at the final round and they're double points isn't like the second round double points and then the third round's triple points or something like that it is i haven't really locked my format down on that but i I think 
I think that they're double points. I think like the first round is worth yes. you know single points. It's just an overall. The second round, which is I double. believe might be in Austin at the you know at the America Place, uh, America's put road track. And I heard that might be double points, I think. And then the third round, I don't know if all three motos count or if it's just triple points or something like that. I had heard I'm triple points. I didn't hear that all the motos counted or anything along those lines. It was just um, single points, double points, triple points, which Gosh. means that last round, no matter what, however they do it, it's going to be really heavy. And also because yeah. of that, if, if we don't know, the riders definitely don't know because they don't look into this stuff at all. They just... No. I mean, yeah. Roxon signed up for yeah. World Supercross not knowing that he had to be on a team to be there, you know, so. Yeah, well, well you're not going to say no to a Brinks truck either. <laughs> right. Um, you guys want to talk about a super deep 250 West opener that's so deep that Danny and I have had the same top five at the end of the championship because there's not that many choices? I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Top five. I'm going to go first. Cause I went last, uh, the first one, uh, and I'm going to go in the, I'm going to go the opposite order. I'm going to go with jet right off the hop. I think he takes the first win. I think he, honestly, I, I predict jet having a perfect day. I think he's going to be the fastest in qualifying. I think he's going to win his heat race. And I think he's going to win the main event going away. Uh, followed closely by the 55 machine of Austin Forkner, as well as Styles Robertson. I think he's going to come out swing right off the hop and get himself a podium. Then you got Cameron McAdoo and Max Voland. Max Voland in fifth. Wow. That's right. That's right. Big reach. Should have taken him on your team that even Mitchell Oldenburg is going to get a bad start. That's the only reason why he's outside my top five. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go next and we'll leave checkers last in this one. So we can't steal the yeah. top five. I will go, I'll start off with uh, jet. He's going to smoke this thing as well. He's going to make this thing pretty simple. Uh, actually, I don't think so. I think, well, I think Forkner's going to have the fast lap time in practice. Uh, I believe jet and Austin will each win their heat races. And I believe jet will take the win over Austin Forkner in the main. Uh, I would like to put Cameron third, but I think Cameron might crash in the main event and put him Fifth, so I'm going to move RJ Hampshire into the third spot, Stylus Robertson in the fourth spot, and Cameron McAdoo into the fifth spot is my top five. So I got Jet, Austin, RJ, Stylus, and uh, Cameron McAdoo. What do you got, Chex? Well, I think um, I think Jet has a really big advantage here because he likes the spotlight so much. Um, I see both his biggest competitors being Forkner and McAdoo, and I think they're both going to come in more of the mentality kind of like they did last year let's be on the podium and not blow this thing at round one, kind of that more mature mentality. So I think jet, as far as being probably the best guy anyways, plus that attitude, he wins um, Forkner second McAdoo third. Um, I think those three are the most dominant guys in this class. RJ Hampshire will be in the mix, maybe a little bit and then fade off later in the race into, into a fourth. And then really the fifth spot comes down to a toss up between really three guys. I think um, now that Denny has convinced me that styles is going to be good this year. Um, he's in the mix. Pierce Brown's in the mix. If he can keep himself off the ground or Mitchell Oldenburg. Um, I think Oldenburg's the most solid of the group. So I'm going to put him in the number five spot to stay out of trouble at Anaheim one and round out the top five. There you or do you go. have Max Anstey in this first round? Um, I would say I don't have a list with him, but I would say round. coming off a pretty decent offseason. Really I bet he's seven or eight. Seven, three. Yeah. Oh, geez, he's top 10 guy. I think honestly, yeah. just out of his like racecraft too, like, cause that, 
I could see him getting like a 10th place start and just sort of like picking off some guys and just like at the end of the night, oh, NC seventh, right on. Well, I think we've covered like a lot of the guys. Um, do you yeah. guys want to take a minute and touch on the, just maybe some standout guys. Maybe we don't have to go through and pick our whole MXD team since we've talked about a ton of guys and done a ton of preview, but maybe point out some guys that you think are a really good value or a total terrible value over there. Okay. Well, I can start things off. I actually have my, uh, my MXD league uh, up here, so I can just go through that. Um, one sec here. I got, uh, so in the four fifties, um, I actually ended up going with some, some, some decent talent in the four fifties, two fifties. I got some more bargains in there. Uh, I went with, uh, Dominic Thury as well as Cole Thompson. I think those two guys are going to be honestly, I'm going to see a lot of each other all season long on the West coast. They're both good starters. Uh, they both qualify. Well, Cole, maybe a little bit more than Dominic Thury. I got those two guys. I think they're, they're pretty low price point. And they're like, they're below the, uh, sort of average price point per guy. So it allows you to get, uh, get some more, like you get a little bit more later on. Uh, Robbie Wageman, Always does well on the West Coast and like in these, especially in these early rounds. Uh, he comes out sprinting. Uh, and I, I honestly, I think he's he likes his Suzuki. Uh, and then Mitchell Oldenburg, because I hear he's flying at the press track at the, at the test track 450 class. Uh, I think that a lot of people are sh- sleeping on Shane McElrath. Uh, he's won Anaheim one multiple times on a 250. Um, yeah, he's on a 450 and it doesn't have a lot of time and it's a Suzuki and all that, but at, uh, at $142,000, uh, and change, give me him all day long. Adam Cincerullo, great early rounds, um, pick because he's, he gets good starts and he might be, it's, he has more better chance of being healthy this weekend than he does at any other round, honestly. And then that gave me a bunch of money left over to kind of, uh, kind of break the bank on Chase Sexton and Eli Tomac. That's a good that's a good run right there. All right. Um, um go ahead, Checkers. Go ahead. Well, uh, first of all, on the 450 side, I'm gonna focus on since I'm a race tech privateer proven guy. Point yes. out there is room for some privateers to get in the main event. And I'm gonna point out a few guys that I think have some value that could potentially make it into the main event. Um, and obviously they're at a low cost. They're not going to get you your double points by being a hot rider in the top 10. But if you want to stack on, you know, five or six points potentially from a guy. Um, you could definitely look at um, John Short is only $6. He is pretty experienced, and he actually has a little bit of a team in a program this year. Um, Brandon Share is racing full-time again, and he is really good. He's originally from the West Coast as well. Um, he's riding KTMs in the 450 class, uh, doing his own program. But with him being back a full-time racer, I mean, he was making main events in the 450 class as a club and mech trainer that sometimes raced and scoring points outdoors. So um, for $15, he might be a bargain. Um, you can't forget how good Clayson was last year at 35000 I mean, he had a couple top 10s last year. I granted the field was much thinner, but I would expect to see him in the main event. He was in the A1 main event last year. Um, so those are kind of some of the privateer standouts that I think are good values as well. My actual... Even, team- honestly, even A-rate at 18 bucks, like, that's pretty good. Like, yeah, I don't I don't see him making into the main first first rip, but like that's very cheap if you're looking to save some money somewhere. Yeah, I mean he's in a much better spot program wise than he was a year ago for sure. Um, and just where he's at. But um, 
I don't think I would risk eighteen dollars at Anaheim one on on Alex Ray um, unless you just need a filler guy. But if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm going down that far down the list, I'm taking Brandon Share at at fifteen dollars. Like that's I have much higher hopes for him. Um, my four fifty team is currently Ken Roxon, Joey Savacci, Adam Ciancerulo, which I think is a pretty good value, um, and then Kate Clayson. I spent more money in the two fifty class um than i did in the 450 class i expect roxon to be get his best race of the year and so then not being able to pick him at round two is is kind of my thoughts or get him away he's still there and maybe he can do again um and then in the 250 class i have cameron mcadoo and really i was a toss-up between him and forkner on which to pick but mcadoo was cheaper and i think they're very close to the same um i think jet was just too expensive understandably so um i really like the duo of anstey and oldenburg that i have and then um, obviously I had not much left to spend and I went with the potential of Dylan Schwartz. Um, I believe in that program a bit, just in Supercross that seems like they have stuff put together. I believe in um, Larry Brooks had brought him with. Over yeah, to that's a AGP huge vote of confidence that he would take someone with him that you don't even see that a lot in the sport period, let alone. Brooks. I just, he has so much talent. So um, those are my guys there. I think, I expect to see a guy like Jerry Robin in the main event, Austin Politelli, in my opinion. I mean, he makes 450 mains. Yes, he's big on a 250, but for $28, he should at least get you some points in the main event. Um, Devin Harriman was awesome last year. I don't know if you remember the LCQ where he crashed two or three times and still qualified. Yes. Um, granted, much thinner field then, but Separated uh, those are some right of the now, guys that – That's okay. Those are some of the guys that jump off the page at me. I know that um, one of you guys mentioned earlier, Hunter Yoder, but uh, – that is that is my Moto Extreme team is Matthew, Anstey, Oldenburg, and Schwartz in the 250 class. Well, I find it uh, funny that I, you know, it's my website, I guess, and I haven't even bothered to pick a team yet. I've been so busy trying to get everything ready uh, for all the different games that we've been playing and uh, our, our, our high rollers league that we got going for $100 and getting sponsors lined up that I usually like to wait and even see some practice times, but I do know that I think I, uh, you know, I, these, these salaries are basically based on my, my own predictions of how I think the first round will go each and every week. The salaries will change, uh, based on their performance. Uh, obviously I have jet at a very expensive $857,000, which is more than Tomac and Sexton and Anderson, because I think that he's the favorite to lead to win. I think obviously Forkner's even more money than uh, either Tomac or Sexton. Yeah. Because I think he's almost a shoe in for the podium. Um, I think someone of value maybe that I maybe underestimated would be someone like Mitchell Oldenburg back down there with $464,000 value. Uh, someone like Max Anstey, perhaps. Um, I Colt Nichols, he's mixed up in, uh, in between as a hot rider. So he's going to get a 10 point bonus if he gets into the top 10. We've talked about him, but maybe possibly breaking out here just a one. He's at a, a, around 589. And you know, you're about the average between uh, with $3.5 million salary. You got to hire four, four fifty for two fifty riders with an average salary of about $437,000. So you kind of always got to look at it. When you go above that mark, you got to be prepared to go below that mark about the same amount. Uh, there's always nice to check out when you during those practice times on Saturday, I'll post times for everybody. I had to call it the, the, uh, the cheat sheet and, and see one of those guys who's uh, only worth, you know, 10, 10 to 15 to $20 and, uh, and maybe get him. Cause that makes you uh, go out there and able to get someone like jet Eli or Sexton or Faulkner. But for now, I would say my team would probably be filled up to someone like Marvin. Um, 
who's around 571,000 would be probably someone with Oldenburg. Uh, I, I've tried so many different ways of going heavy top, light on the bottom, middle. It's just kind of a toss-up. I also like Derek Kelly at 285. He's a good good rider, good value right there. So I can't even give you a team right now of one of mine, but I'll give you some of those good values. I think Stylus is a good value. So um, if I could pick out the top of my head, I'd probably take someone like Derek Kelly, Cole Thompson, two hot riders in 2D class. And I saved some money in that. So that's going to allow me to go up a little more expensive. So I'm going to go maybe with someone like Stylus Robertson and then RJ Hampshire. Uh, and then in the 250 class, while well, the 450, I would go with someone like uh, Joey Savacci and Dean Wilson at the 42, 517 mark. But then I'm going to have to stay around that 500 mark as well. So that might be putting me at Cooper Webb, which I actually have about eighth place this weekend. So um, I might be looking for someone cheaper, even maybe Josh Hill. Justin Hill, or maybe even just Kyle Chisholm at 321, who's a machine. You know, he's going to win. It's time to go. He's going to chiz. So, uh, Mike, I'd love to give you a bit more advice other than just pick smart, pick deep, make sure to look deep in the field. Always look at your lap times on Saturday and uh, and wish you the best of luck come Saturday because we're all going to need it. It's going to be a crapshoot. Oh, yeah. And if, if anyone's looking for some great, like, wanting to go super cheap on a couple of 250 guys who very well could find themselves in a main event, Devin Harriman, like uh, Checkers said, I think he is a great pick. He goes fast. Um, same thing with Hunter Yoder, who it was a, a Geico amateur kid who had a ton of hype coming in. He, he's he's a West Coast kid. Uh, he's on a team this year, uh, a little bit better setup than he had uh, previous years. He's he could make main events for 16 bucks. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, same thing with Chad Saltz, $27. Nope. Like he, he'll, he'll, I, I could see him getting in the main uh, right off the hop. And same thing with Hunter Slosser. Hunter Slosser, uh, one year, I don't think it was last year, it was the year prior, made six out of the nine main events. Uh, and he's currently valued at $17. So uh, yeah, go get him. Same thing with Caden Amaran. Caden Amaran was in the main event last year. He's worth 14. And he was a rookie a year ago. He was a rookie. Um, right. He does have some support. I believe he's on the Rocky Mountain Rides Unlimited uh, KTM team this year. I believe is where he slotted it. I know he's on one of the the support KTM teams, which last year he was on Team Tedder. So I don't know if it's an equal move or step up or a step down, but he does have some support. Um, Amaran was he was the kid as an amateur that was just off of the factory guys. You know, you'd have your group of factory kids and then Amaran would be there. Um, yeah. His I definitely Yamaha's always look sleep sweet. on him. And there's a lot of room for these privateer guys to be in that West coast main event. So it's not nearly as deep as the East. I love it. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, this was really solid. I think uh, we crushed it. What were you going to say there, Debo, about how deep the West is? The West, the West is ridiculous. Is one? Way deep. Pretty West easy. is one. But two, two riders, I think, of great value as well is, uh, is those solitaire riders. Uh, uh, Cole Thompson, Dominic Thury. I think you'd mention them both early. And in the 450 class, NK Clausen, Logan Carnell, good value as well. Kevin Morans. Um, you know, it's a crapshoot when you start getting those, those lower races. The, the most thing I've always thought in these early rounds is get make sure all eight of your riders are scoring points. Get all eight riders in the main event. If you're trying to go cheap early and um, – or maybe trying to go too hot early. I don't know. It's 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 a crapshoot, like I said. I wish everyone the best of luck on every form of game you're playing, whether it be Pulp, whether it be MXD 360, whether you got a game going on RM uh, Fantasy. It is uh, it's a great game. Fantasy motocross, fantasy supercross. It's uh, it, it keeps us old guys being competitive. I'll tell you. For certain. And for those who sign up, and if you want to play in uh, the the main league for. 
um moto x dream 360.com uh you guys are giving away a a crf 110 from uh from storm lake honda uh that's pretty cool and uh, i signed up today i got my team in like i said and uh yeah i'm stoked and i think i'm gonna have to get you a banner because uh, I'm looking at the banner ads at the top of this website and 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 race tech's up there twice. And if I yeah. refresh, I think like Maxima was up there four times. Uh, we'll so it, it's like, like it's like almost like slot machines. You just, you just yeah, exactly. And see if you get all if you get all Maxima. I like my odds. You win uh, you win a, a gallon of, uh, of of premix, but uh, for your two stroke. But you know, we also the biggest thing is uh, my buddy Jeremy McGrath is sending a set of gear to my. Uh, he yeah. just got back home, uh, I think today actually, and we were giving away an autographed set of McGrath's gear to basically an end of the year drawing. So all you have to do is sign up to pay, sign up to play eleven ninety nine, sign up. And at the end of the year, at the end of the season, we will do a random drawing and, uh, you don't have to be a fantasy guru, fantasy expert. All you gotta do is sign up to play and your name will be entered in the drawing. So I think that'd be pretty cool. And thank you to Jeremy for that. And thank you to Jeff Schultz at Storm Lake Honda for his generosity. He's a huge supporter of the sport. And uh, Schultz and Storm Lake Honda is, is one of the best. Right on, boys. Well, for checkers from Race Tech, thank you so much for coming on the show. Debo, lending us your time. Always appreciated. This is so much fun to break things down and get things hyped up for Anaheim 1. I'm running my hands together in 48 hours. We will be already on the backside. Actually, it will be about the, the main event will about to be dropping. Uh, and I'll be uh, on the edge of my seat. They'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Boys, this has been so much fun. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. I know Checkers, uh, you are Checkers448. Four, 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 eight. Yep. And Debo, DBO360X2 or 2X? Uh, X, I believe. Just I, don't know. X. I, I got locked out of my account a couple of times. So I had to start a new one. Money. Basically, Denny Stevens. Basically, Denny Stevenson. Anywhere to be found, I can be found somewhere. And uh, if you Google my name, they might even be looking for me. So who knows? <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, if you're not already following Denny Stevenson, grow up. Um, but yeah, for myself, Brad Gabhart here at the Big MX Radio Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Over and out. And there you have it, our preview for the Anaheim 1 uh, 2023, the opening round of the series that um, I don't know if this season, this offseason just felt longer than ever before or because we have a new championship that essentially is being created with the SMX World Championship, Super Motocross World Championship, um, which is really neat as a racer or as a fan of the sport because... All too often when you have like a kind of a wholesale change in as far as like the governing bodies or the promoter groups, like now we right now we have um, uh, like MX Sports, which is the the promoter for the Outdoor Nationals. And you have Feld Entertainment uh, working together for the first time since Feld uh, bought Supercross back in 2008. And right now, like there was a time when literally in like 2012, 2013, um, Ralph Shaheen and Jeff Emig would be in the, in the, in the, uh, announcer's booth during the finale in Supercross being like, wow, we won't see these guys until, uh, the monster energy cup. Like I only can imagine what they're going to get, get up to in the next eight hours or eight, eight months or whatever it is um six months or whatever it is and like it was just it was totally asinine because you you would obviously like you you knew that like they know that the nationals is going to happen hell um 
Emig had two championships outdoors compared to his one indoor championship. Um, side note, Shift, I think, like, speaking of Fox, um, Fox, I believe, or Shift is no longer, which is, uh, like, we're going to do an entire podcast on the history of, um, the history of Shift. Uh, it, like, oh, I'm not going to get into this right now. But anyway, uh, Jeff Emig is uh, is parting ways with Shift and Fox, it, it would seem. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's no longer going to be a part of that. Um, does look like he's still a part of World Supercross, which is kind of cool. Um, and for those who are, like, completely weirded out by seeing, if you see Jeff Emming in anything aside from Fox or Shift, um, please remember that he won back-to-back uh, -back 125 national champ. I think he was one back-to-back, -back, or at least won one uh, 125 national championship on uh, Yamaha uh, and entered the his career even I think he even spent one of the years on Kawasaki wearing wearing Thor like he wore Thor when nobody wore Thor um, and I might have to pull some pictures out of that just to sort of like kind of uh, harken back to those days because uh, yeah for the longest time uh, Emig was uh, Fro was a uh, what was a Thor guy uh, but anyway. Uh, we also have uh, some some news that just dropped of the final two of the three final locations for the SMX final. Uh, we have uh, it's in North, I think it's North Carolina or South Carolina. I'm gonna check my tweets right here. This is great audio. Um, so let's see. SMX. This is great audio. Okay, so we have Concord, North Carolina, and Joliet, Illinois. Of course, that's Chicagoland Speedway, as well as there's a uh, uh, Z-Max drag Dragway. And I actually like both of these uh, layouts. I actually kind of like the drag the drag strip even more than Chicagoland. Uh, Chicagoland, it kind of it just sort of looks to me like it's it's Daytona, the way they used to do Daytona. Uh, I would actually love for these to be day races. Uh, I, I doubt they will be because it showed both of all three rounds at night as the uh, the digital rendering. So I would assume these are night races. Um, but yeah, we have all three of our locations. We have uh, September 9th, the SMX round one at uh, G or uh, I was going to say G Max. That's a terrible helmet brand. Uh, Z Max, as Canadians would say, Z Max drag strip in Concord, North Carolina. Then on the 23rd, two weeks later, uh, you have SMX round two, uh, playoff round two at Chicagoland Speedway, Joliet, Illinois. Uh, and then for the finale, October 14th, SMX World Championship final at LA Coliseum. Uh, you know we're going to be talking about it as things go by, but. Uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a great uh, great event. I think the the, the tracks are going to be really neat. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, I, I was just kind of like talking about this prior. Um, adding three rounds of race of racing and not really losing anything. Like we're going to lose one Fox Raceway, which between, like I don't know how you feel. Maybe you can hit me up on Twitter, but I think Fox Raceway from a spectator perspective, like, I, I hated riding there. I've ridden there twice. I hated both times I rode there. Um, 
and like it's I love Fox. I'll bleed for Fox, but the the raceway itself, like it's it's in basically uh, it's on a riverbed or what was a riverbed maybe a lot of years ago, and um, it's just yeah I I don't uh, uh, I, I, I Fox Raceway two will not be missed. You still get one Fox Raceway. Uh, Eleven nationals having an odd number of races is should sound weird because like um 24 motos of course like it's a satis- it's a psychologically satisfying number it's a it's a it's two dozen um even 22 like if there was like yeah 22 motos is kind of an odd like it's just like 22 is just a weird number but also remember that for the last however many years we've had 17 supercrosses before that we had uh, 16 supercrosses um and we've been kind of all over the map with that over the years. So I'm not too terribly worried about it. Uh, like, fun fact, uh, when Jeremy McGrath won his 13 straight races in 1996, um, he basically, like, he only lost one round that year. Uh, whereas when Ricky Carmichael won his 13 straight uh, he only won, he lost two races that year. So Jeremy McGrath got his his last and second to last win at uh, Anaheim one and Anaheim three of that particular year or Anaheim two rather. Uh, and that was Jeremy McGrath's last win, uh, round three of the 2001 Supercross championship. And uh, at that time, it's actually really interesting. If you watch them on YouTube and every single one of those races is available on YouTube, you can literally watch the transition in real time of uh, the sport still thinking that Jeremy McGrath can get it done. And then all of a sudden it's like, if you fast forward like three or four races or even like go to like round 13, I believe is in either Indy or when they go to Dallas and it's like the Ricky Carmichael show and it's, it's Ricky's world and we're just living in it. And Jeremy McGrath is like second, third ish sometimes off the podium. And it just, it was a very, very like the rest of the year, the, the, Ricky was a, essentially not challenged for the remainder of the season. So anyway, um, kind of fun to do some little pre or pre and post amble, um, chats with you guys. Hopefully you enjoy them. Um, shout out to everybody who takes the time to listen to these podcasts. If you really enjoy the podcast, I sincerely, uh, invite you to, Shoot me a direct message on Instagram uh, at Big MX Radio. Uh, tell me what you enjoy about the podcast. Tell me what you don't enjoy about the podcast. Tell you. Tell me what I need to improve on. Tell me what you you enjoy and would like to see more of. I love feedback, and I don't get nearly enough of it, which probably means nobody listens. Um, but if you guys have uh, the time and the interest to shoot me a text or shoot me or not shoot me a text, oh, I can give up my number. I don't think too many of you guys would hit me up, but, uh, shoot me a message on Instagram. I literally read all of them. Uh, I've never not responded to a direct message unless it's from a scammer. Um, so hopefully you're not a scammer and hopefully you'll hit me up. That's a 200, that's a two hour and 10 minute long podcast guys. So you guys enjoy yourselves. I really appreciate the time for you guys to take uh, check this out. Uh, you're probably going to turn this off right, uh, right away here. Uh, but, uh, anyway, I really, uh, really love doing this and uh, we're going to continue doing it. So you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care.